Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening to the doug gottlieb show podcast be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. And Will Blackman, glad to have you with us here on this New Year's Eve. We say goodbye to 2018 and also say goodbye to not one, not two, six more NFL head coaches today making eight coaching vacancies in the National Football League. Wow. Black Monday, one of the darkest as it's it's been in a while with so many coaching vacancies in the National Football League now available. Will, this has been a crazy, crazy New Year's Eve. Kind of started circulating last night and then full steam ahead with the likes of Steve Wilkes gone from Arizona after one year. And then the other end of the spectrum, 
Marvin Lewis out after 16 seasons with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a dark day, but it's it's sunny here in Cali, SoCal. <laughs> it's nice. It was, a, it was a nice drive here. Yeah, but no, it's it's crazy. A lot of this was looming. Um, a lot of coaches saw the writing. We saw the writing on the wall for what was going on. But um, yeah, everyone now they they're they're ready to win. Now they see opportunities, and everyone's getting real impatient. The, you know, yeah. The the fact of the matter is this is. Steve Wilkes, I mentioned Marvin Lewis had 16 years. Steve Wilkes didn't even have 12 months on the job. Already out in Arizona. Vance Joseph just wrapped up his second year as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. He was dismissed. And, well, it seemed like for the last 12 months, he was on the hot seat as well. This urgency where we see new teams back in the playoffs over and over. This urgency seems to be taking over the National Football League and these organizations because they feel that these turnarounds could just happen so quickly. And if it hasn't happened to them, then it must be the head coach's fault, and then they're out on the street. Well, what this tells me is that um, the the front these front offices already had somebody in mind, yeah. and they needed to you know fire the previous coach, get somebody in to fill in the meantime, and you know they're always on a constant move to look for somebody else, and that's what it tells me they have somebody else in mind. It was crazy too is that people don't look at this, but I'm sure when Steve Wilkes got the head coaching job, like that's a dream job, you know, for an yeah. assistant coach to be a head coach. He moved his family, you know, from, you know, Carolina all the way to Arizona for 12 months, you know. And it's crazy. And not only that, but the assistance he brought along with him. So, um, not to like flip a little bit, but that's that's a crazy, yeah. that's a crazy thing to look at. It's it's not just uh, okay, the guy lost his job. It's, it's above and beyond that. Do players feel this? Like, do they know? Do they've got to hear the rumors? They've got to hear leading into Week 17 and. And maybe they don't care because they're just trying to look out for them for for their own self and in, in seeing. But do players do players know when their coach is on the hot seat and when can they feel that all right this time could be coming to an end for a coach? Well, they they watch everything else just like we do. They see all the news, even though they try to say we you know we avoid it, but we see everything. We kind of hear uh, a lot what's going on, and um, yeah, it, it's it's tough. You know, Larry Fitzgerald he he tweeted out something positive about the relationship he had with Coach Wilkes. Um, in that regard, so to see something like that from a player of his caliber yeah. and character, um, that says a lot. We'll be checking in with what happened in Denver as they dismissed Vance Joseph, as I mentioned. But eight vacancies now in the National Football League. The Dolphins let going at, letting go of Adam Gase today. Broncos, as I mentioned, said goodbye to Vance Joseph after two years. Arizona, Steve Wilkes after just one season. Tampa Bay letting go of Dirk Cutter. That came out last night, as did the Todd Bowles with the New York Jets. The Packers and Browns dismissed coaches during the regular season with Hugh Jackson obviously out in Cleveland. And the question now is whether Greg Williams will continue as the full-time head coach, but there's a lot of names being popping up for Cleveland and Green Bay as well, including names of coaches who have just been dismissed. Adam Gase has been brought up a couple of times. So a lot to watch, a lot of moving pieces in the National Football League, and another big note that Mike Mayock leaving the NFL Network to be the Raiders' new general manager. But I want to talk about Cincinnati and Marvin Lewis because this was a position that Lewis held for 16 seasons as the Cincinnati Bengals head coach. And coming off of a year where Andy Dalton was lost to injury, A.J. Green was lost to injury, this, this is how quickly things turned, Will. The Cincinnati Bengals were actually flexed into a Sunday night game with the Kansas City Chiefs at one point this season. So at one point, we were looking at the Bengals and being like, wow, this team could be a playoff team. Now you look at them, they're moving on from Marvin Lewis. We thought that there was 
I don't want to say that we thought that there was loyalty because there obviously was that he was there for 16 seasons, but loyalty is what I thought would continue to allow Marvin Lewis to stay on as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, a mutual parting of ways. How shocked were you that Marvin Lewis is out in Cincinnati? Um, I wasn't shocked. I feel like he's on, he was on a hot seat every year, and I think now that uh, management is looking at that, that, that division and they're seeing the rise of the Browns now, yeah. and right now the the – the bottom of the totem pole are the Bengals. So, um, you know, I, I never want to say that someone's job is long overdue, but, you know, I, I saw writing on the walls for a while. You know, the fact they didn't have any playoff wins. Um, they were always there so close and, and just couldn't get it done. And they always had, you know, really strong teams uh, every year and just couldn't get it done. So, um, uh, you know, dealing with and battling the, the, the Ravens and the Steelers and never getting over that hump. Here's the tough thing that I find in Cincinnati, and, I, and I, here's a stat for you about Marvin Lewis, and I mentioned this to, to Will right before we went on. Looking this up, Marvin Lewis actually had a winning record during his 16 seasons in Cincinnati, which I'm not sure how many people realize, but he was above 500. But what we point to when it comes to Marvin Lewis is the lack of playoff victories. Not only just lack in a short amount, none, zero, 0-7 in playoff history. And what we have seen Throughout the entire NFL for coaches in the playoffs, there are only two coaches who have coached in the National Football League that have not won a playoff game that have more than three playoff losses. And that's Jim Mora, who was 0-6 in the playoffs, and Marvin Lewis, who was 0-7. Now that tells me, Will, that it's very difficult to keep a job in the National Football League if you don't win playoff games because guys who aren't winning playoff games aren't either making the playoffs or aren't getting jobs. And that's what the history of it shows. But to see Marvin Lewis go 0-7 uh, during a playoff run was mind-boggling to me. But then to realize that he was in such an exclusive class that you don't want to be in. And Jim Moore, a long time ago, used to do shows on this network and a love coach. But two really good coaches, but the lack of playoff performance is what's going to stick with them when you talk about their when you talk about their legacy as coaches, despite being over 500, despite being – taking Cincinnati to a winning level after all the years of misery, it's the lack of playoff wins that are always going to be labeled with Marvin Lewis. Yeah, and that's tough because at the end of the day, you know, if you're so close, uh, that's not good enough, you yeah. know. Yeah, right. That's, that's it, yeah. You're, you're, you're a, a penalty against Antonio Brown in a, a – <laughs> In a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a wild card game that you lots probably of penalties, have won. Yeah. <laughs> lots of yeah. penalties that right? game. Yeah, it, it just it falls apart, and now. As I mentioned the eight openings, there are bright spots in if you if you take the Green Bay job, for example, you've got Aaron Rodgers. If you get the job in Cleveland, if it's open, Baker Mayfield's there, you got a lot of young talent, things are, right. are building up. Even if you go to Tampa, you've got an offense. The team seems to be sticking with Jameis Winston in twenty nineteen. You've got an offense to play with the Jets, you've got Sam Darnold, Arizona, you've got Josh Rosen and David Johnson. I don't know what's appealing about Cincinnati. And that's the tough part is you have a decision to make now at the quarterback position. I don't know how many great, great years you're going to have of A.J. Green, and is it really worth having it? Do you build a team around a defense that I'm not sure that you can do? Of these eight spots, Cincinnati is the toughest spot for me to fill because all of these other possible destinations will seem like – better landing spots, in addition to the point that you made off the top. 
the AFC North now with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and you still have the Pittsburgh Steelers to deal with. The Cincinnati landing spot is the one that, of the eight, is probably the least desirable, which was one of the reasons why I thought Marvin Lewis is going to stay. But I'm just not sure who's going to want to take over that Cincinnati head coaching job. Um, I think that job is still appealing. I still, really? I still have, um, still have some faith in Andy Dalton. You have an excellent running back in Joe Mixon, um, who finished high up there in rushing. I think what happened was is Marvin Lewis got he brought, was brought over there from Baltimore and was a defensive guy, mm-hmm. is a defensive guy. And the fact that they were ranked damn near at the bottom of every category defensively, um, especially uh, passing-wise, that was kind of it. You know, it's like, hey, you're the defensive guy. This is what's going on. But um, I believe there's, there's still ability over there on offense. The defensive line in um, Cincinnati is still pretty good. And um, – I think that's. I think the least attractive job might be might be Miami, you know, because you're not sure at the quarterback mm-hmm. position. Would you say Cincinnati's bottom two then? Is oh, it bottom two? I, I think you could look at the other ones and say the quarterback position is more answered at the at the openings than than they are in Miami and than they are in Cincinnati. Well, I look at well the bottom. Two, I would say that there are three because I look at Tampa. Uh-huh. You're not sure quarterback wise. You have a guy who is capable, but he's also unpredictable in Jameis Winston. And then you don't know what's going on in Miami. And th- and that's huge. I learned I learned in my career that, you know, they say, you know, it's an offensive league. If you don't have a quarterback, that is everything. And I and I've been I've been more than blessed. The first quarterback I played with was Favre. No, there you, you know, go. I had yeah. him. The second quarterback was Aaron Rodgers I played with. Then I played with Eli, uh playoff Eli. I had him, you know, and then I had a little glimpse of Russell Wilson. But I got to see firsthand what it looks like. And then I go to Jacksonville, and we had Blaine Gabbert, you know, and Chad Henning, and they struggled a bit. And then um, go to Washington, and we had Kurt. And it, the core position is, is so uh, valuable and so important that if you don't have a guy who is even close to capable of what can help you, that's where it's going to be a problem. That's the key is being capable. Because, because I would argue that, in today's NFL, and if you look back at the Super Bowl champions that we've had, Brady excluded because he's the GOAT, that your quarterback just has to be good enough. Like, he's got to be serviceable, and he can't be a detriment. He can't be a negative. He can't take away from what your team is doing. And and I don't think you need elite with winning a Super Bowl. Nick Foles was really darn good, but I don't know if anybody's putting Nick Foles in an elite category. And when you look at, you, you know, we, we talk so much of, of going back to of, of a Joe Flacco winning a Super Bowl with the, with the Ravens and with Russell Wilson winning with the Seahawks early on in his, in his career right. and being his second season, they, Russell Wilson is a better quarterback now than he was at the time. Joe Flacco went on a, 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 a hot streak and bet on himself and, and got that contract, but I don't think at any point when they won the Super Bowls we would put them as a top 10, top 5 guy. And that's where the other situations are. That's why Miami is. Tannehill is such a question mark, and I just don't know about Dalton. You mentioned the, the questions about Winston, but as long as you have a serviceable guy, I think you can do something in the national football. Yeah, but turning the ball over is not serviceable. I think the, the important thing is, right, you don't need a guy who, who's throwing for 4,500 yards and you know throwing 30 touchdowns every, every year. You don't need that guy. You need a, a quarterback who can make the plays when it matters. 
He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Will playing 12 years in the National Football League. You can find him on Twitter at Will Blackman. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Coming up next, is Kirk Cousins serviceable for the Minnesota Vikings? And is he the reason they're not in the postseason? We'll answer that here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Will Blackman, 12-year NFL vet. You can also see him on the NFL Network. I'm Dan Beyer. We are sitting in for Doug today on this New Year's Eve. So much to get to on a busy day in the National Football League. Plus, in about 40 minutes or so, I'm going to try to tell you why the College Football Playoff Committee got it right, despite what happened Saturday in the National Semifinals. It's Black Monday for at least six head coaches in the National Football League. Eight vacancies now total. And now we have the playoff field set. So it's Black Monday for a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs, specifically the Tennessee Titans, who lost last night to the Indianapolis Colts. Pittsburgh Steelers also saw their chances evaporate. And then, well, the Minnesota Vikings, who you could argue had the best opportunity to wrap up a playoff berth. Sure, Tennessee was home and had the Colts. But when you look at the other scenarios, maybe Philadelphia could have lost to Washington. The Vikings had a Bears team that was coming into town. The Bears didn't have a lot to play for, maybe seeding to the second seed, but once the Rams jumped out to the 49ers, that went away. But in the end, the Minnesota Vikings did not get it done, falling to the Chicago Bears 24-10. to Now, looking at where the Vikings are on the outside looking in, all of the fingers end up pointing to one Kirk Cousins. And I'm not buying it, Will. I am not buying it. <laughs> that this is all Kirk Cousins' fault. And last night I saw this tweet that everybody wanted to retweet or people wanted to copy and make their own and say, the six highest-paid quarterbacks in 2018, none of which made the playoffs. Right, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, it was everywhere. Everybody was trying to take it to show, see, this is what happens overpaying for quarterbacks. There were so many things that went wrong in Minnesota that I just don't think you can put it on Kirk Cousins. Am I crazy for thinking that it's not Kirk Cousins' fault because about 10 minutes ago you said everything kind of goes through the quarterback. you got to have a capable quarterback. I'm listening. Is Kirk Cousins capable, but is is he the one that we should blame with Minnesota not making here's the, the Here's the problem. The problem is, is Minnesota apparently was a quarterback away from a Super Bowl and they decided that they were going to fix that with $84 million. <laughs> Guaranteed. 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 So I'm listening. Okay. Let me let, let me tell you why <laughs> Kirk Cousins isn't to blame with, with all of this. First of all, he actually had a better quarterback rating than Case Keenum. So there was an upgrade to the Minnesota Vikings quarterback situation. Now, I've heard an argument of Kirk Cousins hasn't shown up in the big games for the Minnesota Vikings. Now – Fair enough, didn't have a great day yesterday against the Chicago Bears. Also didn't have a great game against Chicago when they played in the Windy City earlier this season. The Bears, the last time I checked, are a pretty good defense. Okay, okay. like like uh, you've, you you got to give them credit. The other bad passing day that Kirk Cousins had in the 2018 NFL season, and really there were only three, was a road game against New England. Hey, what do you know? Bill Belichick in New England trying to go up against that defense. He's not the first quarterback to be puzzled and had a, have a, a difficult time against the Patriots in Foxborough. I say, well, what about that, that game against the Seahawks? Maybe some of his numbers were, were skewed because of a late push and made the quarterback rating seem a little better. Well, there was also the time that John DeFilippo lost his job. That was his last game. 
It was a time where Kirk Cousins said after the game, they were dropping nine guys in coverage. I, I, you're, you've spent 12 years in the National Football League. How many times do teams drop nine guys in coverage in the NFL? Is it more often? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no. This is what's funny, though. When I remember um, our first game in 2016, when I was on the Redskins, we played the Steelers. And when we dropped, they dropped nine guys in coverage. And Kirk would just check it down. What are you supposed to do? Run right, the, run the ball, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you. you no, you, but here's here's the thing, though. Like, I feel the one thing I'm never worried about with Kirk is his numbers. His he he's gonna be efficient. He's gonna have good numbers. That's for sure. I mean, he's been he's been very very consistent. His, yeah, his, his QB whole, rating was about a hundred this year. Just yeah, just yeah. So under. when I when I got there in 2015, he had uh, four thousand one hundred sixty six yards, twenty nine TDs, eleven picks. The next year. Almost 5,000, 25 TDs, 12 picks. Another 4,000-yard season, another 20-plus TDs, 13 picks. This year, same thing, 4,200 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. His numbers are going to be great, and he's completing you know, an average of, like, what, 66%. They're going to be good, but it, the difference is, and, I, and we talked about earlier, is the, the, the better quarterbacks, they make the plays when it matters. Like, Russell can, will have a terrible game. And I think, yeah, when they played Minnesota, he did not – his numbers were not appealing at all. But he made the plays that it mattered. Russell can throw for 112 yards, you know, it would be 50%. But it's like down the stretch, he makes the plays when it matters. And that's the only pe- the issue people have with Kirk is that his numbers are going to be great. He's always going to show up. Like when they lost to the Rams, he threw for over 400 yeah, yards. No one talks about that, by right. the way. Right. Went off, you know. However – it's just when it matters. Like, can you make the certain plays? We lost when we lost to the Giants to get into the playoffs, and they were already in. We in 2016, you know, threw it right to DRC, you know, Cromartie. Yeah, you know, just just stuff like that. And that's what it is. It's like everything else is great. Great person, studies really, uh, really prepared, put put up great numbers. But when it matters, you know, that's the only thing that I see. And like I said, I've I've been with Favre, Rogers, Eli. It's when it matters. Well, whose fault is that then? Is that the Vi- isn't that on Rick Spielman in the in the front office of the Minnesota Vikings? If that's if if that's who Kirk Cousins has been over the last you know four seasons, as we said, why should we be surprised then if if the numbers are there, which they are, and they had really good numbers against the Rams, really good numbers in their two wins against Green Bay, which I think if you would ask any Vikings fan. If you could have two wins during the season, who would you want right. to beat? You'd want to beat Green Bay. It's there. This is a team that also went from 7th in rushing in 2017 to 30th. They're the number one scoring defense in 2017, and while that dropped about by six points per game, they were holding opponents last year to about 15 points per contest, it still was a drop. So to me, as you see a team that was one Minneapolis miracle away from losing in the divisional playoff round because of the limitations of your quarterback, and then you take a running game that is non-existent, you bring in a new offensive coordinator that only lasts 14 weeks and doesn't gel with the team. You have I mentioned the running game that's third to to last in the National Football League. Right. All of those things say to me it's not just Kirk Cousins' fault. He even said on the uh, as we tried to to lip read, you know, like I don't have 10 seconds to throw when he right. and Adam Thielen. He are was going. the most pressured quarterback. That, yeah. is, that is a fact. He was the most pressured quarterback. But but. Football is not new. It's it's the same. It's the same game. It's nothing new. We can look at all these variables, things that goes that that's going on around him. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you have to figure that out. 
you know, do you go there and do you speak? I don't know. Like I said, when he was there with us in Washington, it wasn't a whole lot of team meetings, you know, personal, like whatever it is, any type of like, I don't want to say he's not, he was a leader, but he led in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, he came in, he led by example, meaning he prepared, he showed up on time, did his work, and made sure he was ready to go. Well, then what's the difference between in that, and, and I'm going to generalize it. You can, you, you can tell me I'm wrong. You can tell me what the real atmosphere was, but- during the latter years in Seattle, the defense was seemed to be with the Seahawks of whatever about Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. maybe not believing, thinking that it was a it, it was a charade or it was fake. What's the difference between that and then Russell Wilson making plays, and then Kirk Cousins maybe not being the leader but considered a leader, like like because you just mentioned like Russell Wilson makes plays, but if half the defense doesn't believe in him, isn't it just down to? making plays or not is that you mean his his own players his own teammates yeah yeah no well but, you know i think it was just a matter of they weren't happy the fact that they were that he was the face of the team mm-hmm. i think that's that was the case where it's like hey the defense is doing a lot of things it's not just russell and also you know the the story is with the with the slant against yeah. the patriots that is because they want a russell to be mvp like that's what everyone is saying i think just what russell is that when it gets difficult he rises up you know, and that we talked earlier. You mentioned how, you know, what Baker you thought he was gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I'm talking about. Is like everyone has that belief. Okay, Russell has the ball. You know, I think I think he's gonna do it. Baker, I think he's gonna do it. Aaron Rodgers, oh, we've seen it before. We think he's gonna do it. And Kirk Cousins were, oh no, here we go again. Like, don't just don't it's, 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 <laughs> just it's, just yeah. just get it downfield. New clothes. Same story. You see what I'm saying? Though? I just, yeah, I I get. It. I just think that it's. I think it's when when you bring in someone, and, and he went to a, a ready-made team. He went there because it was that's the best, the, the best move. Yeah, the best move. This team is ready to go. Let me go here because apparently they're a quarterback away. He picked that team too. He didn't. Have, he had a lot of choices. Could have gone anywhere. Could have gone anywhere. He picked. Could have gone team. to Denver. Could have gone to the Jets. Jets. Could have gone to. Right. Ended up going to Minnesota. I just look at where this team really hung its hat and that and Mike Zimmer is a defensive coach. Mike Zimmer had that defense, as I said, last year led the league in scoring defense. And now you have a defense that takes a little step back. You have zero running game. What's I mean, third worst in the national football league. There's, there's no way that that's sustainable. It's easy to sit there and say, Oh, Kirk cousins. Again, look at what Kirk cousins did. And, and we nitpick. And I, and I read some stuff of Kirk cousins again in the big game. And, there were times where Kirk Cousins was there, and maybe the numbers were there, but there were, the the Vikings were a game away. They they end up a half game out of the playoff, if you will, or behind Philadelphia. The point being is you have to look at the defense, you have to look at the personnel, you have to look at the running game. All of that. It shouldn't just be Kirk Cousins. You can though, but if you're the face of that organization or one of the main guys, if you notice the running game, he's a stat guy. If you notice the running game is not doing well, then you should be able to speak up. You know. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Beyer speaking up here for Doug Gottlieb on the Fox Sports Radio Network. Glad to have you with us on this New Year's Eve. Coming up next, do you believe in Baker now? If not, you should. We'll tell you why after Kevin Figures gives us the latest 
on what's happening on this New Year's Eve. Bowl games here, there, and everywhere. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Dan. Good to be with you guys today. We'll get to the bowl games in a second. Three of them in progress. Of course, a lot of pink slips handed out around the NFL today. The Jets letting go of top bowls after four seasons at the helm. They are said to be interested in Cowboys defensive backs coach Chris Richard, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and Buccaneers offensive coordinator Todd Monken. And speaking of the Buccaneers, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, former Cardinals head coach Bruce Arians would be interested in the vacant Tampa Bay job if approached. Or maybe he could go back to Arizona. That job is now open again, too. Steve Wilkes out after a 3-13 rookie campaign. Van jo- Vance Joseph out in Denver after consecutive losing seasons. Marvin Lewis done in Cincinnati after 16 years. Adam Gates gets the axe in, in Miami, but is reportedly at the top of the list for many teams that have had that have head coaching and offensive coordinator openings as well. The Raiders hire NFL Network analyst Mike Mayock as their general manager. Silver and Black and the 49ers coaching staffs have been selected to coach the North and South squads at the Senior Bowl in college football. Ball. Six minutes to go in the fourth quarter at the Military Bowl. Virginia Tech with a 31-28 lead over Cincinnati. They're heading to halftime in the Sun Bowl as Pittsburgh has a 10-7 lead over Stanford. Michigan State and Oregon both scoreless late in the first quarter at the Red Box Bowl. College basketball, Virginia remains undefeated after a blowout victory over Marshall. UCLA officially fires head coach Steve Alford after five and a half seasons at the helm. Guys, thank you very much, Kevin. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show brought to you today by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. He's Will Blackman, 12-year NFL vet, now a member of the team at the NFL Network. I'm Dan Byer, sitting in for Doug today on this New Year's Eve. Lots of news from the National Football League, talking about the coaching changes and what came about in Week 17. And while the Cleveland Browns are going to be looking for a New head coach. Maybe it'll be Greg Williams on a full-time basis. Who knows? That decision is yet to be made. We did see the Browns almost pull off the unthinkable, beating the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore for the second straight year. Maybe I shouldn't say it's unthinkable since the Bengals did it a year ago and allowed the Bills to get into the postseason last year. But, Will, there was a different feeling about this game yesterday, and it was the, the Ravens jumped out to an early lead and, in fact, had a chance to go up three scores when Lamar Jackson tried to dive and reach the ball over the plane and was 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 end up being short of the goal line. Browns got an awful call for the simple fact of it's just a bad rule that the play was called dead. Otherwise, Jabril Peppers would have had a touchdown going the other way. The point is, is Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns were a team that came back from being down that amount, being down double digits against the Ravens. When you have someone like Baker Mayfield, a young quarterback, the last thing you would think, this guy's going to go in and beat Baltimore and the Ravens in one of the top defenses in the league when they've got the playoffs on the line. But I believed in Baker. And that is something that I think is, when you want to talk about believing in a quarterback or if a quarterback is going to make it, I don't know how many rookie quarterbacks you could look in that situation and say they're going to do it. I felt they were going to do it yesterday against the Baltimore Ravens, and even though they didn't, I think it's the feeling that Baker Mayfield was going to do it is what makes him different than anyone else. 100%, and that's why he went number one overall. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a story of when um, ex- executive for the Browns, Alonzo Highsmith, when he was evaluating and, and studying and learning about Baker, he said the, the one thing that stood out about him was his he's, he used self-efficacy, and that's the ability to affect everybody else You know, with what he had. 
And he he raised everyone's level of play when he was at Oklahoma. They respected him. They loved him. And he just, not only just the players, but just the whole organization, the whole building. And they needed something like that in, in Cleveland. And they needed somebody to go in there and just uh, change everything and just make every make the energy just positive. And even when he came, when Tyrod got injured, you know, early in the year, and he came in and took over, and won the game. <laughs> that's what it is. He goes in there, he's fearless. He he walks the walk. He talks it, and he, he's not worried about anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, like nothing bothers him, and that's what's really cool. And I respect that because he truly he earned everything that he's got. You know, walked on to two teams, to two college teams, mm-hmm. earned a starting job, won the Heisman, won number one overall, came in, everybody looked at him, and he delivered. You know, that's why that's why you feel that and see that. There's so much too about the the Hugh Jackson stuff and and is it in in whether you like Baker or not you have to respect what he's done on the field. It seems to me that other players respect him as well. And and Lamar Jackson talked about it in the the post game. Respect of, Hugh? Or? Uh, no, respect uh, Baker. Baker okay. Yeah, respect Baker. Even with everything that's going on with Hugh Jackson, the point is is the players on the field seem to really respect him. And Lamar Jackson said, "This is a guy we're going to be battling in this division for the next, you know, 10, 12 years, whatever whatever the case may be. It just was it was different compared to last year when Cincinnati needed a I don't want to say a fourth down miracle, but there was a breakdown with the Ravens and Tyler Boyd was able to score that 50-yard touchdown. Yesterday when the Browns got the ball, it was just like, okay, this is how it's going to go. And I was actually shocked when they don't get it on fourth down and the the ball ends up being intercepted. What the game would have ended anyway, even though you had miraculous plays of a, or, or really good plays, I should say, of a, of a Jarvis Landry getting his hand under the ball and right. keeping, the, keeping the drive alive. There was just a lot there, and I don't think that you can put, even if you take last year's situation and mirror them of Cincinnati versus Baltimore and Cleveland versus Baltimore, completely different situations with the same thing on the line for the Ravens, you believed in Baker Mayfield. Not that you didn't believe in Andy Dalton last year, but it just tells you that there are very few quarterbacks that you think are, are going to get it done. And this earlier in the, their career, to have that sort of belief in a player, and it also makes the guys around him better as you see the wide receivers make plays, this is just unique. I don't know if we have this with Sam Darnold. I don't know if we have this with Josh Rosen. Right, we don't, we don't know that no, yet. We no. don't know that yet. No. You know, I th- like I said, uh, Baker walked into a lot of situations before the NFL where he truly had to earn his stripes. He, he earned everything. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold was a highly touted quarterback. Uh, Josh uh, Allen, uh, not was excuse me, uh, Rosen was a highly touted quarterback too coming in, and Baker had to earn everything. And I think uh, once again, the difference is it's just it's just how he is mentally. He's doesn't matter where they are in the game if they're losing, if they're winning, he's always in the game. And I go back, I look at Russell when Russell, you know, if they're losing. You see him going up and down the sideline talking to everybody. It might be annoying to some people, but he's like, all right, we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it, we're gonna sure. do it. Same thing with Brady. He goes up and down the sideline. He's always in the game. The same thing with Baker. He's just always in the game. He never feels like he's out of it. He always feels like that he has a chance to get it done, and that's what that's what we love. It sounds probably pretty cliche, but when they keep on saying it and then they do it, you may not be a be a believer, but then you start to believe. Right, and he's he's very far asked. You know, does not care. He's like, listen, we're gonna win or we're gonna lose, and it's gonna be on me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna get it done. If I make a mistake, like like he threw a pick at the end of the game. You know, it was a great call. They dropped C.J. Mosley in the middle because he went all out blitz. Got to go in the middle, and they knew that. So, a great play by them, but it's it's not going to rattle him at all. And that's the cool thing about it is they can't they cannot phase him. I was, that's what's dope. I was I was just I was fully waiting for the Browns to break the hearts of the Baltimore Ravens, and 
I just payback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously, like, I'm like, all right, here we go. This is this is going to be another part of the chapter. Ozzy's last game, about. right? Yeah, exactly. Look at the Ravens had it. The Steelers are sitting there at Heinz Field. I expected a celebration to go on in Pittsburgh, and then all we'd be talking about is how crazy is it that the Steeler fans were cheering for the Brown fans? And no, Ravens are going because Baker couldn't make a play at the end. But the only reason we were thinking that is because we seem to believe in Baker Mayfield, and we are believing in Baker Mayfield. He's Will Blackman. Get him on Twitter at Will Blackman. I'm at Dan Byer on Fox as we are in for Doug Gottlieb here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coming up next, is it a big deal that the NFL Network is losing one of their big names to an NFL front office? We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug today. Today's show is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Well, at this time, even though Doug's not here, we like to, I don't know, we like to shake things up a bit, if you will. Let's uh, let's play a game. Game This is Game Time. It's Game Time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. We bring in our good friend Kevin Figures from the... Anchor desk. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Dan. Good to be with you. It's, I like games. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, we got a we got a game today. John Ramos is here as well. So is Gavin Kinsel. John made a nice passive aggressive post on Twitter because I didn't I didn't I didn't put his <laughs> I didn't put his I didn't put his handle in the in the tweet in the pre show tweet and so then he quote retweeted it you know retweet with comments and said oh by the way we're here too Fine. but just so you know Kevin yes John did not include you in that tweet. I did he Thanks, right. John. I so, did not wow. sorry was, Kevin it was just him and Gavin what a so. diva you know this is actually the John Ramos show we're all yeah. just, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a Doug true. Gottlieb show feat, you know with Don Ramos featuring oh. the rest of us oh all right so what game are we going to be playing today the game. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Okay, well, so this is where we get to say if stuff is a big deal, little deal, or no everything's deal a big all. deal. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what I think. <laughs> what do we got first up, Kevin? All right, how about this? So the Oakland Raiders have a star, a TV star, and head coach. Now they have a TV star as their general manager. They've hired NFL Network draft analyst Mike Mayock as their GM. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? Uh, interesting. I would say I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it's a little deal. On the outside, it may look like it's a a big deal because wow, someone coming from the NFL Network. But it's not like Mayock didn't have experience in the scouting world and as a player. So it's not just like I don't know someone like me getting a head coaching job or a GM job in the National Football League who had a broadcasting career. He was in football, ended up going to the NFL Network, showing his craft and then got a job. So to me, it's right. a little deal. Because right? he is the combine guy. He's the guy we look for to get our information on players. Yes. So why not bring him in your house? A- absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. If it was Mel Kuyper Jr., different story because Mel's always been the media yeah. guy. He wasn't like Mel was in a front office. You're right. Mike, was a, he was a standout DB at Boston College, you know, had a cu- cup of water in, in the NFL, but understands the game. He's done this for – he's had players for 14 years. It is not a big deal. It's a great deal. It's oh, that would great be a deal. new one. It's changing it up maybe for twenty nineteen. <laughs> did did people clamor at BC to wear the Mike Mayock jersey? Uh, not so much. I don't know. 
Uh, you know. Uh, Not so much. All right, number two, Kevin. (laughs) Number two, the Cleveland Browns are intrigued by Adam Gase. Gase let go by the Miami Dolphins earlier today, but multiple reports say that he is a front runner for many of the head coaching and offensive coordinator positions that are currently open. Browns owner Jimmy Haslam is very interested in having Adam Gase as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? Interesting. What do you think this is, a big deal, little deal, or no deal? This is an interesting deal. Interesting deal. I like mixing it up. Sorry about that. Be, um, you know what? Because he was the young coordinator in Chicago with Jay Cutler that was really attractive. So maybe he can come back uh, to the Midwest and help out Baker. Also, I, I, I think it's another reason why it's interesting, but I also think it's a big deal, is this. Jarvis Landry right. <laughs> and Adam Gase don't get along. Or at least Jarvis Landry doesn't get along with Adam Gase. Maybe Adam Gase doesn't have a problem with Jarvis Landry, but it seems that Jarvis does with Adam Gase. And, in fact, when Adam Gase got released today, Jarvis Landry sent out a series of tweets of the laughing, crying laughing emoji, and now Adam Gase may have the last laugh. But it's also a big deal. They might laugh together. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward laughs. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It good, is a big yeah, deal. I'll say you. that. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah, good to see you again, Coach. Not so much. But it also shows you what Adam uh, – what Adam Gase has thought about in the league and what maybe others think about Ryan Tannehill in Miami. Also, guys, Mike Zimmer shooting down the rumors that he could retire or resign after a disappointing season this year in Minnesota. He says, I'm not retiring, I'm not retiring or resigning, period. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? I'm going to say that this is a no deal, but Mike Zimmer should be one to bear some of the blame on what happened with the Minnesota Vikings. I just told you a little while ago on why it shouldn't all be on Kirk Cousins' shoulders, and one of the reasons was was a defense that was the best in the National Football League last year and took a bit of a step back this season. Also, with no running game, the head coach should take some of the heat for it, but he's not But not surprised that he's sticking around because I still think he's one of the better coaches in the NFL. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I said no deal, but like you said, a head coach has to coach. If something's not going right, address it early. I remember where, Co- where Coach Gus Bradley, when we were playing the uh, – we were in Jacksonville playing the Texans. Something wasn't going right, and he he took over the headset, and he made a defensive call. Really? Because something wasn't going right. He made a defensive call. And same thing, Dan Quinn, he let go of Marquand Manuel this year, and he's going to take over play calling. So if something's not going right, fix it. If you're not running the ball, run the ball. Yeah. Just tell them to. As simple as that. No deal. Speaking of running the ball, the Jacksonville Jaguars voiding the guarantees remaining on Leonard Fournette's contract. They were able to do this because he was suspended earlier this season. And this also on the heels of he and T.J. Yeldon getting scolded by team president Tom Coughlin after the game for laughing and joking on the sideline. This makes them gives them the ability to cut him loose or trade him with little financial issues attached to it. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? This is a massive deal Yeah, because he's an outstanding player. And he also is a team captain. You can't start having brawls in the middle of the game and getting thrown out. You can't, you know, you take care of your body because you're not injured. And you can't be on the sideline when, you know, things aren't going well for your, for your team. Coffin is all about leadership. He's all about developing men, all about developing a good team and having good camaraderie, and that's what he's all about. They would also call it a messy deal in Jacksonville because I have no idea what the heck is going on. I picked Jacksonville to win the Super Bowl. I, I, thought, I had Minnesota versus yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, Two good. biggest disappointments. Yeah, yeah that's – I. I have no idea what's going on, but I will say this. As a guy who also hosts a fantasy football show on Sunday mornings, we 
wrapped up our fourth season together, me and Mike Harmon yesterday. Leonard Fournette in fantasy football has become a headache. So with all of the things that you that mentioned. That was my first pick. Yeah, with all of the things I'm that you mentioned. Today. <laughs> his injury history also plays a part. Remember, he missed the first half of the season with a hamstring injury that just kept on lingering. They made the trade for Carlos Hyde. Yeah, that's a it's a massive deal. I'm sorry for yelling, guys. It's a, no, that's all right. We like excited. the anger on New Year's <laughs> Eve. See you later, 2018. But there are more reasons than one why I think Jacksonville is doing this. You could see the end of the Leonard Fournette era in Jacksonville sooner than you think. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. The one thing we can look forward to is now that we know the 12 playoff teams in the National Football League, we could also guess which one is actually going to collapse just like Jacksonville did last year. Like you could you could also have fun. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be the Texans? Is the bottom going to fall out on Bill O'Brien? And there's so much to that we, that we could get and guess here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer. Coming up next, we'll tell you why the College Football Playoff Committee got it right on Saturday. And 12-year NFL veteran Will Blackman right beside me getting you set for the NFL playoffs, taking a look at Black Monday today and also a week from today when it will be 2019. Heck, it's going to be 2019, 24 hours from now, but we're going to have a college football national championship game as the playoff title game takes place in Santa Clara, California. Home of the 49ers is Alabama takes on Clemson. Fourth straight year that we will get that matchup third time in the national championship game, and it's a matchup that I it has me intrigued, Will, and clearly these are the two best teams in college football who will be meeting a week from today. Once and, again. Yes. The <laughs> part, I know part de, part what part tray, what anything, part uh, what would part four be? I don't know. Part quad, whatever, part four of Alabama and Clemson. One versus two for college football's national championship. Uh, as it should be. I mean, they got the two best coaches, the two greatest motivators right now, the two best programs. And they're going to keep meeting and meeting until someone else does something about it. Now, when you look at what happened on Saturday, right? Oklahoma couldn't do much about Alabama in the first quarter. Now, I, I don't, I, I caught a little flack yesterday on the show when I said that Oklahoma played with Alabama for three quarters, and they did. They did. Now, now, along with that, Alabama at one point's up twenty-eight to nothing. So maybe Alabama changes things up a little bit. But it was Oklahoma just getting off to an atrocious start and Alabama just being on point and forcing Oklahoma to go for it on a fourth down in the first quarter, right. down 21 to nothing. But Oklahoma did end up playing with Alabama, and I've been on record on this show as I didn't think that Oklahoma should have gotten into the college football playoff. But we heard a lot of talk about Notre Dame now not wanting or shouldn't have been in the college football playoff because they lost 30-3 to against Clemson. And I told you, Will, before the show when we were talking – John Ramos, who's on the other side of the glass, we talk a lot about how things on Twitter just go with the wind. Exactly. One, one, one week it's one thing and one week's another. And on Saturday, there was so much talk about how the college football playoff committee just didn't get it right by having Notre Dame and Oklahoma being three and four. And I actually heard more vitriol, if you will, about Notre Dame. But my question to them, and I don't know if you can answer it, and if you can't, that's fine, is how in the world does Notre Dame not get into the college football playoff in a situation like this? And as I, as I say to the people of, like, what team would you have put in that place? You really would have put in a two-loss Georgia team who just lost to Alabama, 
Would you put them in Notre Dame's Who place? Who keeps losing to Alabama? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I just you had plenty of chances, Georgia. Yeah, that's the, like they need to let it go. What if the, what if Georgia got in and got smacked? Mm-hmm. You know, if they went in and got smacked by Alabama. Then you would have said, how in the world do you leave a 12, you know, Notre Dame <laughs> right. team out of the playoff, yet you put a two-loss Georgia team who just because they play Alabama well, right. that's why you put them in. And that's that's another point in all of this. And this is this is kind of why it bothers me is, first of all, Will, there's this expectation that all three playoff games have to be close nail-biters, and then the championship game has got to be a nail-biter as well, and then you'll truly have it correct because you played it out on the field and one team ended up winning by a close margin. It showed you you picked all four teams. I, that, that's, that belief is garbage, but that's what people are telling us by, by saying these weren't the two right schools. And when Notre Dame gets put in for, for one reason and Oklahoma gets put in for another that is where the problem is with the playoff uh, with the playoff committee of using criteria for one team or one school and not using it for another. You could look at Notre Dame, who I thought had the best win up until the last week against Michigan, of any of the teams in that college football playoff because Alabama hadn't played Georgia in that that championship game. Michigan had yet to lose to Ohio State, so the greatest win of all belonged to Notre Dame. But nobody wanted to talk about that. Nobody wanted to talk about how Clemson's best win was Syracuse and Texas A&M. Right. Those conversations aren't brought up. But then when it comes down to after the game, when you're talking about what's a good win, what's a not good win, we're giving Georgia credit for a good loss more so than anything that Notre Dame did during the regular season. And I think that there's something really, really wrong with that. I think the committee got it right despite the blowouts. Well, the only, on it's a good loss because if you play a common opponent so many times, you're going to know about them. But if right. but I look at the I mentioned earlier is you have two of the best head coaches or two of the best head coaches period in college football. If you give them a month to prepare for you, and also a month to get their teams at full strength, the, their teams at full strength versus anybody else, you're gonna it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. gonna be a lose lose for the other team. Sure. So um, how did how has Dabo done it? How is how has it not only changed? I mean, there was a term not too long ago that we would call Clemsoning. Of Clemson getting close to a big spot and then not coming through, whether it be in a big game on national TV, like that is that's recent. That's five or six years ago that we were talking. That was a phrase used when you messed up in college football. We would call it Clemsoning. Now they're arguably the second best program in all of college right. football. Well, it's because Dabo's a fighter, you know, and and that trickles down all the way to whoever is at the bottom of the of the food chain in that area. Um, it, it, it's a, it's effect, infectious, 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 excuse me, and goes out to everybody else in, in the whole in the whole building, and you see it, and that's what any organization, even I can mention the NFL. I, I remember I spoke to uh, GM Chris Ballard for the Colts, and he talked about. He said it starts with me. You know, mm-hmm. I have to show this entire organization, the head coach, the players, like my plan, what I'm gonna do. Be straight up with them. This is what I'm about. And if I'm not a grinder, how do I expect my players to be the same way? Um, and that's how it is. That's what Dabo does. That's what Nick Saban does. They they know how to motivate and inspire their team, despite whatever it is. I think there's also a similar correlation, and I don't know how you would direct it, but with the kids that Clemson is getting, and their talent is maybe second to none. I mean, the, the matching Alabama, you're gonna you're gonna have a couple of guys from Clemson who are gonna be first round picks just on that defensive line, right? Alone, yeah, right. yeah. And, and uh, aside from everywhere else that you've got. You got next year now coming back with one of the top quarterbacks in college football. 
and with with Trevor Lawrence, you got Travis Etienne who is Unreal, a blur. Yeah. Just right. if if you break past the line of scrimmage, when you see the 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 talent that Clemson is now getting, and you see like I. I don't know if there's a correlation, and, and maybe you could tell me if there is or isn't. But now we look at the SEC a little bit, and we say, okay, maybe the SEC is a little top-heavy with Alabama and Georgia, and maybe some of the other schools aren't getting the guys that, that they once were. Maybe some of those guys are going to Clemson. But I but I think when you looked at the, the SEC and seeing Alabama's success, LSU's success throughout the years, Florida's success, Georgia's success, that – Maybe now if the SEC is a little bit top-heavy and Clemson is reaping some of the benefits because some of those kids that maybe would have gone to other SEC schools instead of going to Clemson. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. It, I, I just I look at and now there are kids being brought in. Never did we think five or six years ago that Clemson had the same roster as, a, as a, an SEC school, let alone a Georgia or an Alabama, and that's where we are now. Did you have any problems with Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and their performances? Did you think it shed light on any mistakes by the committee? That was that were made with the outcomes on um, Saturday. It, it's hard to turn away an undefeated Notre Dame. Yeah, you know, period. You know, I know people. People are like, "Well, they need to be in a conference now." You know, let them be in a conference and for real compete. But that was hard to turn away. I think Notre Dame deserved to be in there. Um, Oklahoma, that that's that's questionable, you know. But I understand. Um, and and I argued, and this is where the committee I think needs to be on the same page. Is is they're they're making a case for one team being in the top four and then making a different case for another team also being in the top four. So when I see Georgia and Ohio State on the outside looking in, the same criteria, the only thing I had heard about Oklahoma, and it showed up in the final three quarters, was the record-setting offense. It was the only thing that I had heard about why Oklahoma should be in the playoffs. Oh, that, and they avenged their loss, which I didn't realize was an actual thing that you needed to do to get <laughs> right. to the college football playoff against a team that was middle of the rankings in Texas, that was a team that Ohio State gets criticized for barely beating Maryland. Yet nobody wanted to talk about Maryland actually beat Texas, who was Oklahoma's greatest win this past right. season. So there, there are things Ohio State had better wins, but all people wanted to say was, look at what happened. I was when you waiting lost for the Purdue. Ohio State love to that's, come in. That's what you. it was. That's what it's all about. <laughs> well, you don't lose by 29 to Purdue. Okay, well, what about the win at Penn State? What about the the win against Michigan? Don't lose by twenty nine to Purdue. That's the only thing. And then when Auburn goes That's and beats Purdue, deal. you have an opportunity. But there are matchups. Notre Dame maybe just doesn't match up with Clemson. Maybe Oklahoma doesn't match up with Alabama. Like the, the their matchups. Georgia matches up well with Alabama. Georgia probably matches because they up play well them with, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you but, know. <laughs> but matchups are are matchups, and I, and I think to take like one. That you have a bad day or or have a bad game shouldn't signify the whole entire season. And so as you're looking and you're trying to to split hairs on who goes where, it just seemed that everybody just ended up coming back to a, let's look at the negative and not look at actually, let's look at where the team is at their worst and not where they are at their best. Right. And that's what I think happened with Oklahoma and Ohio State is they wanted to look at where Oklahoma was at its best and then wanted to look at where Ohio State was at its worst. And that's not really fair because Ohio State's best actually was better than Oklahoma's best. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. If you want to reach us on Twitter, I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. Will, if they want to reach you on Twitter, where can they do so? Will Blackman. That's M-O-N. At Will Blackman. Not M-A-N. Will Blackman. Do you get that a lot? I do.
It's <laughs> <laughs> Will and I were breaking down earlier the worst coaching jobs available in the National Football League. We're going to make it positive as we leave 2018. What's the best coaching job in the NFL? That answer may surprise you when it's next here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Bayer. We are in for Doug Gottlieb today here on Fox Sports Radio. A lot to get to. Former Raiders exec Amy Trask is going to join us now doing stuff for CBS Sports and in many other places as well to break down the Raiders hiring Mike Mayock as their new general manager and so much more on this Black Monday. We've gotten a few tweets. Justin Vance, Justin, a longtime listener of Fox Sports Radio, loyal listener, says, Dan, Kirk Cousins is 4-24 versus winning teams, and Notre Dame hasn't won a bowl game since a big bowl game since I was alive, yet I defend them. Stop. Now, they have won a big bowl game since I was alive, but it's been a long time. Like it's been Notre Not Dame. Not a BCS bowl game. <laughs> no, That's no. what you meant. Yeah, it's 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 been a while. And 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 for the guy sitting next to me who never lost to Notre Dame. It's has, our fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, because every time we beat Notre Dame, a coach got fired. Really? Bob Davey, Tyron Willingham, and Charlie Weiss. BC is the reason. <laughs> so because if you lose the because <laughs> <laughs> Justin Vance is sick of me defending losers. That's what that's what he is trying to say. Tim tweets in the committee needs to use strength of schedule over record when talking about the college football playoff. Putting Notre Dame and Oklahoma in over Ohio State and Georgia promotes soft schedules and gives us lopsided playoff games. There is no argument that could be made that Oklahoma played a tougher schedule than Ohio State and Georgia, I'm sorry. Like the the numbers may say of strength of schedule overall, but when you don't play any top ten teams on your schedule, it just it's tough for me to believe that you are a top ten team. And we heard how bad their defense was. We saw it on full display of of the amount of yards that they gave up. They were about a hundredth, I believe, in college football around the one hundred range. Not saying that Ohio State had a world beating defense either, but theirs was at least statistically significantly better the point is is the committee just needs to to get their message straight whether they pick the right teams or wrong teams I wasn't happy with Oklahoma but I don't think because Oklahoma was down 28 nothing is a reason why they shouldn't be in that bowl game I've just never believed in that reasoning so to wrap put a bow on that I did want to there's a couple there's some big news coming out of Pittsburgh and I want to get Will's drama I want to get Will's thoughts on that but first I did tease on the best coaching job that is available in the NFL. There are now eight coaching jobs available. I like the Green Bay job just because of the atmosphere in Green Bay and you have Aaron Rodgers and have an opportunity to to turn that around. And how often are you going to be able to take a job in Green Bay where the team hasn't made the playoffs in back-to-back years? So go ahead and turn that. I like Green Bay as the best job available right now. What do you think is the best job available in the National Football the League? The best job right now is uh, Cleveland to me. To me, it's wow. Cleveland. Yeah. You know what it is? Because – the way that John Dorsey, uh, with the help of Alonzo Highsmith, Elliot Wolf, and Scott McLuhan, the way they built this roster, so it's, it's a lot of guys who who fought to be where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, they they got a huge steal in, in Nick Chubb in the second round. You know, he's a he's a first round running back. Yeah. he's been through adversity. Bacon Mayfield's been through adversity. You know, you already have uh, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett on the Garrett on the roster. You know, you're you just have a bunch of guys mm-hmm. where football is extremely important to them. And obviously, we were talking about Baker, just how he's he's ready to go. So I think that's a great position to walk into because you don't; those guys are already self motivated, and yeah. that's what's cool. Chip on their shoulder. I wonder, Dorito on that, their shoulder. <laughs> Can we get a Dorito chip? I, I, I wonder <laughs> how much though that would carry over into 2019, and that's why you have to like 
there you have to interview other candidates. I think that there was a lot going on in these these last couple of months once Hugh Jackson was dismissed that Cleveland could rally. They could say, "Hey, it's us against the world." If you want to use that, we've got nothing. Said nothing to lose. Some of the players had nothing to lose. But as you look for a long term vision, you can't always have that mindset. So while some may think it's a no brainer that Greg Williams should just have the job for what they did. No, you, you you can't look out for what happened the last eight weeks. You've got to look ahead to what could happen the next. But that's eight years. but that's my point is they don't have to. They people look at oh you know Freddie Kitchens did a great job with Baker. I was like no nah, Baker is built like that mm-hmm. because Baker goes to the line. He makes a lot of adjustments and he's a gamer. You know he's able to move his feet if if he does if he gets through his first second third fourth read he'll go back to the first. Like Baker's just that type of player. And the team, once again, they have a bunch of guys who've been through adversity who is self-motivated. So, right, you know, Greg Williams and Freddie Kitchen, they did a great job of, you know, calling their plays and keeping it together. But I feel like um, it, it wasn't like a huge deal. I wouldn't give them a lot of credit. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Beyer. And in Pittsburgh, things just become stranger by the day. A report now from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I think it's, uh, is it Ed Bouchette with this, yes, with this report that Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown did not play in Week 17 against the Cincinnati Bengals because he sat out practice by his own choice after getting into an argument with a teammate on Wednesday that included him throwing the football, a football, at at a teammate. Now, his status was up in the air throughout the week. It was called the game-time decision. According to the report from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Brown showed up at the team's facility. One of the players said it was a joke, but didn't even try to test his, and I'm using air quotes, knee injury and pregame warm-ups. This is how bad it got with Antonio Brown. Now, the question is, we don't know who the other teammate is, but right now we do know it's Antonio Brown, and we do know that Antonio Brown did not play yesterday against the Cincinnati Bengals, putting quite an exclamation point to the end of an extremely disappointing season. Yeah, I was I was surprised that he, you know, was injured and that he didn't play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I played with I played a lot of with a lot of stuff. You know, he's played with an injury uh, that he had last year that was significant that he had to come back from. So that was that was interesting. I was like, man, a game that really matters. Is this an Antonio Brown problem or is this a Mike Tomlin problem? Because this, yeah, this is a this is another Mike Tomlin problem because there. Apparently this year too, he didn't show up to work one time. I, I think it was, um, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a, <laughs> I don't know, man. And then yeah, he's like I said, he was filming on Facebook one time in the locker room. So this this is a a Mike Tomlin problem. But this, however, though, despite whatever dispute, they they got it done. And that's the weird thing about this team. There's so many issues and variables and things that are going on, but they still have enough to find a way to get it done. But they're not they're done for the year because they didn't win the AFC North and didn't get the right, help that yeah. they needed exactly. from the Browns. But this is a team though that lost in Oakland, yeah, lost in Denver, uh, had opportunities along the way and didn't cash in. and And this seems this seems like a team that's obviously getting into the position despite all of the issues. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had called out Antonio Brown for that Denver game for the route that he ran in the end zone. The Roethlisberger ended up throwing an interception. Brown seemed to handle that. I just I don't know who to believe in Pittsburgh. Like last year we just thought oh Todd Haley's the problem and then Todd Haley gets booted in Cleveland. I'm not saying that Todd Haley is 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 not the problem. The point being is 
There just seems to be always be a problem with Ben. There seems to be a problem with Antonio Brown. The team had a problem with Le'Veon Bell and then wanting to stick up for uh, James Conner and the offensive line, and they, they were all brought together through the Le'Veon Bell saga. But I don't know how a team survives through all of this. Well, I know that there's chaos throughout the season, right, Bill, yeah. but well, I, I mean, think, this is absurd. Well, I feel like, too, you know, they're, they've they been together for so long that sometimes when you're around somebody long enough, there's going to be drama and issues you're going to argue. Um, but they're all adults, and despite all the issues and drama that they deal with, they're still able to line up and for those three hours play football. They're still able to do that, right? The season doesn't, you know, it didn't go the way they wanted to, but they were still capable in every game to to get it done. How much do you think Antonio Brown resents the success of the Steelers not being attributed to him? That it's it was Le'Veon Bell or it's Ben. Or look at your new team MVP, Juju Smith-Schuster. Right, the emergence of Juju. Yeah, right. yeah, and he was the team MVP. Oh, yeah, he played outstanding. Yeah, he, he did. Was, he was my team MVP on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. But it seems to have an, an issue that Antonio Brown doesn't like not having the spotlight. Right? That, that's I mean, valid. That's very valid. And, you know, he shows up at training camp with a helicopter and a Bentley and Rolls Royce, and wearing the, he wore a main coat the other day as an inactive player. <laughs> you know? I, I just I don't know if, how you move forward. Uh, I don't know what the next step is. I'm not saying I don't know how you can move forward. I just don't know how you move forward now if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and what direction you go if Antonio Brown just ends up being in a a, a healthy scratch in a game that you needed to win to have any chance. And it's, it's funny you make that point because against the Saints, Antonio Brown was playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Juju had the fumble at the end. Yeah, and you took know? the blame for it. Right, yeah. he took the blame for it, but you know maybe the call was to Juju that whole drive. I don't know. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Bayer. More drama in Pittsburgh. I'm sure it'll carry over in the offseason. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Will and I sitting in for Doug Gottlieb, who's doing a bunch of stuff today on Fox Sports 1. If you want to reach us on Twitter, I'm at Dan Bayer on Fox. You can get Will on Twitter at Will Blackman, M-O-N, at the end, if you will. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, and you can always catch the show on Sirius XM Channel 83. Coming up next, we dive into the Raiders as they have got a new general manager. That next year on Fox Sports Radio after Kevin Figures gives us the latest on what's been a busy day of the NFL and with college bowl games. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Dan. Yes, we'll start with the college football games. One final, three games in progress. Pittsburgh over Stanford currently 13-7 with about six minutes remaining in the third quarter at the Sun Bowl. Michigan State and Oregon taking place in the Red Box Bowl on Fox. They are currently scoreless with about 30 seconds remaining in the first half. Late in the first quarter, 23rd-ranked Missouri trailing Oklahoma State 7-3 in the Liberty Bowl. The one final, Cincinnati notching a 35-31 comeback victory over Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl. In NFL news, Charger head coach Anthony Lynn speaking with the media as we speak, and he does say Hunter Henry expected to play in their wildcard playoff game in Baltimore this weekend. Henry missed the entire regular season after tearing his ACL in May. Eagles quarterback Nick Foles will start their playoff game in Chicago after suffering bruised ribs in their win over Washington. NFL coaching news, Jets parted ways with head coach Todd Bowles. They reportedly reached out to Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell, but he declined the opportunity to interview. Elsewhere, the Browns have requested permission to interview Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni and defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Broncos and Dolphins have requested permission to interview Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. And as Dan and Will get set to speak to our former Raider executive, the Silver and Black half-hire NFL Network Network analyst 
as their new general manager. They are set to introduce Mike, Mike Mayock to the media in mere moments. Back to you guys. Thank you very much, Kevin. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Bayer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show, brought to you today by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Joining us now here on Fox Sports Radio on this New Year's Eve, football analyst for CBS Sports and former CEO of the Raiders, Amy Trask, joins us. Happy New Year, Amy. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, and a happy, happy New Year to you both as well. It's a happy New Year for Mike Mayock, who's the new general manager of the Raiders. How surprised were you that the Raiders found their new general manager in an NFL Network booth? Oh, not that surprised, because while I was with the Raiders before leaving and heading to CBS and the Big Three, um, Al brought Mike in to, um, to interview him. So I, I really wasn't that surprised. I've known Mike for many, many years. I think very, very highly of him, and, and I wish him all the very, very best. Hey, Amy, Will Blackman here. How are you? Good. How are you, Will? I'm actually doing pretty damn well. I'm enjoying Southern California. <laughs> and no kidding. And, and you know what? I'm really bad about that. Whenever I'm heading you know, back home from, from my work at CBS in New York, I'm sending them pictures from here when it's about 73. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I had a question. Like, Obviously, with a lot of these um, firings uh, or some of these surprise firings, I feel like a lot of the executives already have in mind who they wanted. You know, why people are like, oh, this is all of a sudden happening. They already have somebody who they want in mind. Uh, what do you say about that? I think that's true. With I think that's a very accurate assessment with respect to some executives and some owners. You know, I'm often asked, what do owners do or what do executives do? And, and the fact is there's 32 ownership groups and, you know, umpteen executives around the league, and they all do things differently. But many do do what you just said, which is have someone in mind before making a decision. And clearly that's what the Raiders did last year with John Gruden. Um, They had him in mind and virtually in place before even informing Jack Del Rio that he would no longer be coaching. Right, and more specifically, I was saying, is like you look at Arizona with Steve Wilkes had 12 months as a coach, and you look at uh, Todd Bowles, and he had two years as a coach too. So, And they just got a new quarterback, so they didn't even get a chance. So that's what I'm saying. Even for these teams – Almost like they were just hired to, you know, fill in uh, in the meantime before they can get somebody who they truly wanted. That's what it looks like from my perspective. Well, and one thing I always advocate and and recommend and have long suggested teams do is ask and answer the following question and do what? If you're going to be making a change at coach or a change at quarterback or any sort of a change, ask yourself, and do what? If I fire him, and do what? Because if the answer to that question is no better than the status quo, then what are you doing? And I used to have that argument with Al a lot, where he'd want to make a change, and I'd say, and do what? Because you've got to have an answer to that, or you should have an answer to that, before making a change. Amy Trask joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Beyer in for Doug today. Is this just a – is it a phase? Is it a fad that we're, we're giving coaches one year? I mean, it, I, I know Jim Tom Sula just got one year in San Francisco, but w- with Steve Wilkes' firing in Arizona, and we'll mention some of the, the short tenures, maybe Vance Joseph after two years. Is this how the NFL is going to be, or is this just maybe a phase that we're just going through at this time? 
Well, I think a few things in that regard. We are, as a society in general, looking for very, very quick answers in any number of milieus. So I don't think that this is new, you know, unique only to the National Football League. We live in a, in a time where people want immediate answers, immediate change, immediate results. Um, now, before I sound too much like the old person saying, get off my lawn, <laughs> I will add that this is something a lot of people foresaw um, with the advent of the salary cap and things like that, because teams, given um, cap consequences, can't make immediate change sometimes with respect to players because they will have the cap to deal with. So that is putting more immediacy on making changes in other areas. In other words, if an owner wants to make change to send a message to the fan base or to try to effectuate a new environment, and and there are some accounting restrictions, because that's all the cap is, is a system of accounting, you know, you can make a change at coach or at general manager. Sure, there's a cash consequence if you owe that person money, but you're not also fighting through the cap. So I remember, you know, a number of years ago, quite a few people said they, they, they sort of saw this coming. Really? Jeez. You know, the NBA had this problem as well like for a, for a while. It hasn't happened like this, but all of a sudden coaches were boom, boom, boom. But it was because every owner or every uh, – whoever had, had the, the decision-making process felt for a coach that the turnaround was so simple. And I wondered, Amy, with Sean McVay, for example, in L.A., because we want to look for the new young guys, that these turnarounds are so quick. And I wondered if that had played a role in any of this, of seeing, like, well, look at what they're doing in our division. Well, you McVay, know, team, McVay had a plan. Sure, <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, the, the, and that's maybe – Part of the problem is people don't realize on, and on you why saw, there was And you saw the so. coaches he brought with him. And sure. I think, right. I think, oh, I think it, go ahead, Amy. Oh, I was going to say, boy, oh, boy, if you could see me, and I apologize for stepping on your no, toes there, but I'm nodding up and down sitting here thinking I want to say to both of you, agree, 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 because I do think that people look at what has happened there and say, aha, look what they're doing there. We can do that. But you're absolutely right as well that he came in not just with a plan, but with a tremendous plan. And I think um, he is a spectacular coach. And last year, when we were asked on air to give our MVP and everybody was picking players, I picked Sean McVay because what he did was so wise and showed so much maturity and self-confidence for a man who was hired at the time, the youngest head coach, to bring with him a man that I believe to be, if not the best, one of the absolute best defensive coordinators who's substantially older than Sean and who was a head coach. And Sean also retained a special teams coordinator that I think is the best special teams coordinator in the league and who had been the interim head coach. Someone without confidence and without wisdom doesn't do that. So I think you're both right. People look at what Sean has done in Los Angeles and said, we got to be able to do that. But they need to recognize it's because of what a spectacular job he's done. Exactly. You know, I spoke to my buddy Dan Olowski earlier today, and we were just talking how a lot of coaches, they fail because they hire their friends. They're not hiring good coaches. You know, and and that's that's what needs to happen. Because right, I can add Joe Barry, who was a coordinator, because I was with Sean McVay on the Redskins, and it's funny, quick little story. We were we were playing the Bengals, 
uh, in London and flying back. And he and I were just having a conversation. He was like, man, I just, I hope one day um, that I'm doing the right thing and I can, I can be a head coach and, and by God, two, six months later, this dude <laughs> gets hired <laughs> to be the Rams. But uh, that, that's important. It, like you said, it's, it's not, uh, not only what he is as a person, but he had a plan and what he did and who he brought in. Yep. And you know what? Hire the very, very best. You know, not too long after I joined the league, um, someone then with the league office who really, really meant well um, took me aside and gave me what he believed to be very good advice. And one of the things he said to me was among the worst pieces of advice I've ever heard. He said, never, ever, ever hire anyone smarter than you. And I looked at him and I said, I am only going to hire people that are smarter than I am. Because when you surround yourself with the very, very best, you're all going to be better. And by the way, that's your responsibility to hire the best. And that's what Sean McVay has done. That's why I've got Will next to me today because he lends the knowledge. <laughs> no, and my... that's why Andy Reid might lose another offensive coordinator. He keeps hiring our guys. Uh, Amy, <sighs> Amy Trask joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Last one for you, Amy, as we wrap up heading into the new year. We talked about this situation with Antonio Brown, and I don't know if you if you heard about it, but Antonio Brown uh, didn't play yesterday, and now we found out after a blow-up with a teammate Wednesday in practice, and the Steelers kind of covered it up throughout the week. What in the world does a team do when a star player has an episode like this and ends up not wanting to play in a final game? How in the world are the Steelers going to navigate this situation with Antonio Brown? Well, you know, different coaches handle that differently. Different organizations handle that differently. Um, you know, I don't – the Steelers have a lot of those sort of issues. That's not a one-off with the Steelers. I mean, when I saw what the players did in the locker room to Le'Veon Bell's locker – after the moment came when they thought he was coming back and it was clear he would not be. Um, you just, that was an insight that something's just not right in that locker room, in that organization. So they've got a lot of fixing to do, as they would have said. I think that's what Jed said on the Beverly Hillbillies, a lot of fixing to do <laughs> um, going forward. And I, I don't think that's a one-off incident, but different coaches handle those things differently. Um, John Gruden said something very, very, very apt, and I loved it. This was when he was with the team the first time while I was there, which was there was a blow-up on the sideline, and media were asking about it. And he said, hey, look, there's no sign on our sideline that says we can't argue. And the fact is, arguments happen in football. People are playing at a tremendous level of intensity and emotion. But it's how you deal with those arguments that differentiate one team from another. Find her on Twitter at Amy Trask. Of course, see her on CBS Sports and also chairman of the board for the Big Three. Amy, we appreciate it. Happy New Year and best wishes in 2019. Thank you, Amy. And to you as well. Thank you very much. She's Amy Trask. That's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Is it the end of an era with Marcus Mariota? We answer that question next year on Fox. Today's show is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Bayer. We are in for Doug today. Will, a 12-year NFL vet, now a member of the team at the NFL Network. Oh, geez, what have we got? The uh, the gavel there. Not too bad. (laughs) The judge. 
The judge has ruled that Antonio Brown is to blame in Pittsburgh. No, actually, Jason Lockenfora, a CBS Sports, tweeting that the altercation that Antonio Brown had, I don't know if I said it or if I implied it. I don't think I said it because I didn't want to name names. I just assumed it was ben, with Ben Roethlisberger. That's what Jason Lockenfora is saying. He said it was an ugly situation and that Brown was totally in the wrong. Really quick, I'm gonna shout out whoever picked the uh, Arctic Monkey song. I'm down. Okay, I appreciate that. That was uh, John Ramos. Appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> John Ramos. Listen, I got a hot take. So my brother Leon Corey is a diehard Steelers fan. Okay, I mean Greg Lloyd, all that, Levon sure. Kirkland, like sure. diehard. Yeah, he said that. He said I'm being too nice with the Steelers. He said the common denominator in Pittsburgh is Mike Tomlin. Yeah, he said he focuses way too much on the Patriots and the Ravens that he loses the teams they shouldn't be losing to. I thought that How do you feel about that? I, I no, I I I think that there's there are there are two people to blame and essentially it ends up being one person to blame. I actually felt, Will, that Le'Veon Bell's holdout kept this team together because there was an enemy, if you will, because he wasn't reporting. It was why the offensive line was talking about how they wanted to block for James Conner. It was why Ben Roethlisberger was saying, well, we've got James Conner here, all while secretly in their mind saying, well, if we do our job, then it shows that that it's it's the system and who we are, and it's not the running back. And I thought that that brought them together. Prior to yesterday's win against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers were 2-4 and four since they found out Le'Veon Bell was not going to join the team. And one of those wins was against the Patriots. The other was that comeback win against the Jaguars, which they really had no business winning. So there may have been one victory. I thought at that point that Le'Veon Bell's holdout actually was something that was keeping them together as a team. And once that was over, everyone just kind of went their own way. Then you had, it ended up, you lose to the Broncos, you lose to the Raiders, you end up right. losing to the Chargers. It was something that, that brought the team together and then, split up, and in the end, then that always goes to the head coach and Mike Tomlin. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the meat and potatoes of every team, you know, no pun intended, is is the front, you know, the whole uh-huh. line and the D-line. And with this team, the veteran group is the offensive line. They've been together for a while now, I think about four or five years, I forget what it is. Um, but they've been together, and I'm sure they took it as, you know, hey, like we're the ones, you know, making way and paving yeah. the way for him. So we're going to do right and do our job and make sure that we do the same thing for James Conner. So I I think they already were a good offensive line, and I just think that's one of the best in football. Right, yeah, because yeah. even when they had, you know, Mendenhall, you know, he did really well. D'Angelo Williams, he did very well. You know, Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell did yeah. well with the help of the offensive line, but he was an exceptional player himself, you know, so – uh, I see what you're saying where it brought them together. I just think that, that that's a, uh, an, a veteran team where they're able to figure things out themselves. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer. Earlier today at Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis, Clay Travis weighed in on the Tennessee Titans, and we're going to hear from him in a segment we like to call. And now. And the love affair with Clay and Marcus Mariota has officially come to an end. If you have gone four years in your NFL career and you have been unable to finish the season in three of them, rookie season injured before the season is complete. Second year injured before the season is complete. Now fourth year 
injured before the season is complete. You may be a great guy, and I think Mariota is. You may be, at times, have shown flashes of brilliance even, and I think Mariota has, but ultimately, you have to be available for your team at the times that they need you in order to get big money. And I just don't think Marcus Mariota is worthy anymore of being considered a franchise quarterback. A franchise quarterback plays in that game. A franchise quarterback, when he is listed as questionable and practices on the field on Thursday and Friday, has to make himself available for his team on Sunday. I just don't see the ceiling. I don't see the the, the huge gap in the ceiling where Marcus Mariota can go. I, I I agree with Clay that I don't think he's the quarterback of the future if the Titans want to have a future of being a Super Bowl contender. Um, I, I think the the biggest issue is not so much his play. It is his durability. Mm-hmm. They they need him, you know, uh, when they want. I think this year uh, they do similar what they did, what Jacksonville did with Blake. They get him a similar, like, a three-year contract with an option. Um, he's not, not a huge, like, $100 million deal, you know, as of yet. But let him – Let's see what happens next year. I know it was Blaine Gabbert playing last night, but it was just it was difficult to think that that was a team that beat the Eagles and beat the Patriots. You know, this this past year, it just they just seemed overmatched last night by the Indianapolis Colts. I there there are just there are issues with Tennessee, and I just don't see the huge. They're, unpre- they're unpredictable offensively because yeah. you missed Devin Henry the whole year, and then all of a sudden he yeah all of a sudden yeah Henry yards. shows up and. And then you're kind of one-dimensional. I forgot about that. That'll be the last time I forget in 2018. Trust me. (laughs) Forgot we had an ending to that. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Radio. It's D-Day for a lot of coaches in the National Football League. Who got the raw deal? We'll tell you next. And 12-year veteran Will Blackman. And I'm so glad Will is next to me because maybe he can answer the question, why do defensive backs – signal incomplete on a route that was overthrown 20 yards by the quarterback. That has always bothered me. <laughs> with it bothers DBs. me. Yes. Yeah, like, uh-uh. And there's the there's the incomplete. There's also the finger-waving. There's the finger-waving of, uh-uh, don't try me. Well, it's like, no, we tried you. I just threw it 30 yards over the receiver's head. Why do defensive backs always do that, Will? Why are they why are they the ones to celebrate? Because they were scared to death and they're like, Oh yeah, thank God they didn't catch it. Thank oh. God. I never did that. I never if if the if the guy beat me and the ball was like overthrown or it was a bad throw, I was like, Oh, nice route. I'll say nice route. Sure. You know, unless I truly made the play, I that's ridiculous. You are in the one percent because everybody I am. else is like, uh uh-uh, uh, not gonna Listen, happen. I was, an, I was an honest player. I gave credit when credit was due. <laughs> I also know? I also love this is when it's third and 29 and the team checks down and then all the defenders after stopping the eight yard pass route fold their arms this is what i told bucky brooks last week like yeah this is done this is the fourth down well yeah they were giving you fourth down that's why they threw the eight yard route (laughs) you don't need to celebrate that yeah i I didn't do i didn't wave when i wasn't close i didn't do the fourth down and i didn't do the four quarters thing either oh i i didn't get that either. that drives me crazy yeah we know it's the fourth quarter i know like, like, if you haven't played the first three, like you should do it every quarter. And throw one up, throw a two, <laughs> throw a three. Do it every quarter. Uh, overtime five. Yes, there it is. We are heading to overtime. Oh my gosh, we have trained to be in overtime and to be conditioned. That's what we do here on our team. Our team consists of Will Blackman and me, Dan Byer, in for Doug Gottlieb today. John Ramos is here. Gavin Kinzel, our executive producer, and 
Kevin Figures is at the anchor desk. He'll fill us in on the latest headlines at the bottom of the hour of what's going on in a crazy day of college bowl games where Pitt just missed a field goal by about 35 yards to the right. So it just 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 a little bit off as they trail Stanford by one with about eight minutes to go. Pitt Panthers. Eight coaching vacancies in the National Football League are now in place, if you will. They're now available. The Arizona Cardinals let go of Steve Wilkes. The Miami Dolphins said goodbye to Adam Gase. Denver let go of Vance Joseph. Buccaneers said goodbye to Dirk Cutter. Todd Bowles is no longer with the Jets. Marvin Lewis let go by the Bengals on a mutual decision after 16 years. We know about Mike McCarthy in Green Bay, and the Browns have a decision to make with Greg Williams or look for a new head coach. When you when you, you see these decisions being made, there are a lot of questions that come up of why did Marvin Lewis and, and the Bengals part ways after 16 seasons? Why did Steve Wilkes and the Arizona Cardinals part ways after just one year? And there are a lot of different reasons. Well, earlier on the show, Amy Trask, former CEO of the Raiders, now with CBS Sports, joined us to talk about the decisions that some of these front offices make. And one of the questions that needs to be asked if you are ever thinking about making a coaching change, this was Amy Trask earlier with us on Fox Sports Radio. And one thing I always advocate and and recommend and have long suggested teams do is ask and answer the following question and do what? If you're going to be making a change at coach or a change at quarterback or any sort of a change, ask yourself, and do what? If I fire him, and do what? Because if the answer to that question is no better than the status quo, then what are you doing? And I used to have that argument with Al a lot where he'd want to make a change, and I'd say, and do what? Because you've got to have an answer to that, or you should have an answer to that, before making a change. How many of these teams do you think actually have an answer? And I, I think they all do. Really? Yeah. Um, I think they all do because, like I said, the the coaches that were fired, you know, in a short term, because they, 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 these executives had somebody else in mind already. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the only way. Now, I think who doesn't, maybe the Bengals, they may not have an idea of who they want yet. Because they've had a coach for so long that they were like, okay, we know it's time to part ways. Let's let's evaluate. Same thing for Green Bay. They had McCarthy for so long. It was like, okay, time has ran its course. Now let's look. Because um, I'm sure they were looking at this season like, let's see what they do. Let's see what happens. Because we, we love this coach. We want to keep him. But let's see what happens. Time has ran its course. I look at two situations, and we'll get more about what's happening in Denver as we'll check in in the Mile High City. But Vance Joseph was on the hot seat for the last 12 months. He was and, on a hot seat when he got hired. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like it was, it was immediate. Like there was, there was even discussion last year on whether the Broncos were going to make a change. Seems like Joe Ellis stepped in and said, "Hold on, let's not make a change right away." Where John Elway maybe wanted to. And I look at Arizona's situation. And earlier, a, a few weeks back on the network, Alex Marvez, Sirius XM NFL Radio, uh, joined us and said there seemed to maybe be a. If power struggle is the right word, it's just that the front office and the coaches couldn't get on the same page. Right, and I've never heard that before. Yeah, and in a in in a situation like that, I guess will I would always err like the Patriots do. I'd rather let a guy go a year too early than a year too late. Like if I have any questions or I'm wavering, I should probably look at a different direction. Now that would go counter to what Amy Trask said, but I would just hate to be stagnant for. 
a whole year. Right, you're looking of, from an executive's perspective, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, of, of being like, all right, if I'm not sure if there's something not right, then I would say probably probably go with your gut and fix whatever needs to be fixed or feel right about what you don't feel right. So it was interesting to hear her saying that some teams may just be stuck with a guy, which then I think would end up being a lame duck season in the NFL because there aren't enough good candidates, and I'm not sure if there are enough good candidates to fill all eight of these spots in the NFL. Right, and also another look from a – uh, an executive perspective, when you interview these guys, they're telling you all these things that they're going to do to make this organization and team better. And if they don't come through, mm-hmm. then you're like, man, this is this is not what I thought. This is not what I signed up. And the same goes for players. You may They may sign a player who we thought, hey, this they're going to be able to do this for us. And it's like, ah, oh, this, this is not quite what we thought it was. So we're going to we're gonna move on do, from this. Do you ever, do you ever, have, a, ever have a coach where – Maybe I don't I don't know how it works out, but I don't know. You're like, okay, this is great, and then you get into the practice session. You're like, oh my goodness, who the heck is this guy? Like, I, I had a <laughs> I had a job where I thought I interviewed, and the guy I was going to work for was all right. This is going to be fun. This is this is great. The first morning that I was actually on the job, it w- within an hour, I thought to myself, uh oh. Right. This isn't good because this is really how it is. When they're trying to, to, to woo you and trying to bring you in, there's one sort of way that they're talking and now there's a different. And it can go both ways, maybe as the employee and the, the employer. But I think that you can get that with the with the as what you were talking about with the general manager, maybe interviewing a head coach. That ever happened to you as a player? Or uh, not a so much. I, I've had all kinds of coaches. I mean, my first coach, my part Warner coach was he was rough. He's the weren't us into the ground. He was real mm-hmm. aggressive. So I can play for any kind of coach. Uh, I really judge a coach based off, like, when adversity hits. Like, how are you? You know? Sure. Like, do you change? Do you not talk to players? If you don't like the way I'm playing, do you go and talk behind my back to another coach? And then all of a sudden, I can see my playing time decreasing. Uh, a great example I love who handled adversity well was Coach Gus Bradley. When we were in Jacksonville, we lost eight straight games his first year. He came in to practice. He came into work every day with the same energy and motivated. We're like, damn, how the hell does this guy do this? You know, uh, that was a great example for that. But that's how I judge, it. and also ego. You know, if a coach is really cool, but then he has an ego because I don't know, maybe maybe I know football pretty well. You know, mm-hmm. or hey, we're all adults. This is an open discussion. So if I if I challenge you because I don't understand something, don't take offense to it because we're all trying to win. So ego and how do coaches handle adversity? I look at these quarterback situations, and I know there are questions in, in, in Tampa about the, the long-term of Jameis Winston, but he's going to be back in 2019. You look at the Jets quarterbacking situation with Sam Darnold. You look at what Green Bay's got with Aaron Rodgers, Josh Rosen, the quarterback in Arizona, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback in Cleveland. you got a question in Miami, and you got a question in Cincinnati, and you actually have a question in Denver, too, about what to do at the quarterback spot. So I think that's going to play out and, and be interesting to see what teams – end up pursuing certain guys. Last night it was it was mentioned on the, the NBC broadcast of Frank Reich, which, by the way, it was Josh McDaniel's job, and then he didn't want it, and then Frank Reich got it. But what the story they told was that Frank Reich was the only one who didn't ask about Andrew Luck's status, and that's maybe why he got the job. Well, he got the job because Josh McDaniels backed out. And, 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 and so then when Frank Reich interviews, maybe he doesn't ask about Andrew Luck. But the quarterbacking situations in these spots – are going to be tied to where teams go as a, as a head coach in their future. So that's something to watch for as this whole situation plays out.
He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. If you want to reach us on Twitter, I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. Will, they can get you at? At Will Blackman. M-O-N, as simple enough. Coming up next, we go to the Mile High City. Who's going to be the next head coach of the Broncos? And is John Elway to blame for Vance Joseph's dismissal? That coming up here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer. We are in for Doug today here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. You can always listen to the show on the iHeartRadio app and Sirius XM Channel 83. Denver, the site of one of the dismissals in the National Football League today as the Broncos moved on from the Vance Joseph era after two seasons. Joining us now, covering the Broncos in the National Football League for the Athletic, Lindsey Jones joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, Lindsey, thanks so much for coming on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you guys doing? We, we are doing well. Uh, an interesting day, to say the least. This has been uh, rumored for quite a while. We had heard talks last year about maybe Vance Joseph being on the hot seat. Now he's out of a job. What had to be done differently this year if Vance Joseph wanted to stay as the head coach of the Denver Broncos? Yeah, I mean, if you if, if you go back, you know, exactly a year, I mean, John Elway said he had to sleep on it basically for a night um, before the, the the last day of the season, whether or not he was going to bring Vance Joseph back. And, you know, ultimately he decided to. Um, we've now learned that he was considering bringing Mike Shanahan in, you know, this time mm-hmm. last year and replacing. Uh, so there was a lot going on. You know, they the, the Broncos didn't appear well coached. They had a lot of issues on offense. They were cycling through quarterbacks in 2017. So they thought that, okay, we'll give Vance Joseph another year here. We'll give him a quarterback. We'll put in place a new offensive system, empower Bill Musgrave as the offensive coordinator, and figured that that would turn everything around. That didn't happen. Case Keenum was not the guy that they were hoping he was going to be. He regressed kind of to being the quarterback that we kind of all thought Case Keenum was through much of his career he had a couple good games here and there but he was not the kind of franchise quarterback that I think the Broncos and LA especially were hoping that he was going to be Um, and ultimately you know they lost a lot of close games they had a couple long losing streaks and they had that one little winning streak in early December where they won three straight games where you kind of thought okay well maybe maybe Vance Joseph has saved his job here but then they went lost to the Niners they lost to um, the Browns they lost to the Raiders and that really that really was it and ultimately, that winning streak at this point um, is a bad thing for them because now they're ended up there in the tenth draft spot, uh, where they need a quarterback. And six and ten, if you were going to make a coaching change, six and ten is, is a bad place to be. You, you, at this point, you would have rather have been, you know, four and twelve. Lindsey Jones joining us. I'm having a trouble with Jones and Jones. Join and Jones. Like, yeah, Jones. <laughs> back and forth. Would you? Would, do you think that? I know Bradley Chubb had a great rookie season. Do you think John Elway wishes maybe? They would have taken a Josh Rosen or a Josh Allen in that in that spot after what Case Keenum did this past year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think that's always going to be a question uh-huh. there. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think if they could have gotten Sam Darnold, maybe, you know, if they would have maybe missed out on Sam Darnold, but they were sure. with, without trading up and kind of making that move to get very, you know, up to the very top of the draft. You know, that Sam Darnold was not going to be be available to them. You know, I think maybe now that you've kind of what Josh Allen was able to do a little bit. I don't think we've really seen much of what Josh Rosen is actually going to be because of the mess that was Arizona this year. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's a decision that we're going to be looking at for a long, long time. And yeah, I mean, Bradley Chubb, he's a candidate for defensive rookie of the year. I think he's going to be a really, 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 really good player for a long time. And he was, you know, threatening to break the rookie sack record this year. 
but you've got to have a quarterback. And it's been a long time since the Broncos have had, you know, they've drafted a franchise quarterback. And so the two, the two decisions I think that you're going to look back on for a long time and wonder what happened to this franchise, it was they missed on their head coaching hire in 2017 with Vance Joseph when, you know, that was a really big year for head coaching hires. You know, they, they interviewed Kyle Shanahan. They looked mm-hmm. at Anthony Lynn and Vance Joseph was John Elway's guy all along. They, that was the guy that they really wanted. And obviously he missed on that pick. And then it was drafting Paxton Lynch in 2016, because I don't think you could look at the 2018 draft class without looking at what the Broncos missed on with Lynch and Josh Allen at the time, he looked so much like Paxton Lynch. You know, he had the accuracy issues. Physically, he was a similar style of player, and I'm not sure the Broncos could have pulled the trigger there on Josh Allen. But, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we're going to look back and say this was a missed opportunity for them to draft a quarterback because they they went out and spent the money on Case Keenum, and that didn't work out. And here we are a year later, new head coach, and still looking for a quarterback. Hey, Lindsay, Will Blackman here. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I I would just blame the Browns. I, I feel like they messed up everything for everybody. I think when it came down to – Everyone for sure. Even I thought they were going to uh, draft Chubb, and I'm like, okay, Broncos are definitely going to get quarterback. But I think based off of Elway's draft board, he probably had Chubb as his number one player. Yeah. And when you're drafting, you, your number one player is there. you got to take him. Yeah, I think I think so too. And, you know, when they didn't expect him to be there at five, and, you know, they, they love their pass rushers, and Elway is a quarterback. You know, he uh, he's had a really good job. He's done a really good job scouting pass rushers for as bad a job as he's done at evaluating quarterbacks. He's, he's done a really good job at taking pass yeah. rushers. I don't know. He just he, he knows who he doesn't want coming after him. That's what he knows. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's a decision makes sense to draft Chubb. When he was there, you know, when the Browns went and took that corner, I mean, it, it made sense. But, you know, for long-term franchise building, you know, you, you're going to, I think, always wonder – until they get the quarterback right. I mean, maybe they go out and they find one this year and one of these, one of these guys is available to them at 10 and, you know, it's a Drew Locke who I'm watching in a bowl game right now. You know, maybe he's there at 10 and he ends up being their guy. But I think until they find that guy, we're always going to be wondering. Just like, you know, the Browns, we've been talking about that forever. Until they find that guy, you're always going to wonder. And now they have it. And the Broncos are the franchise that's kind of constantly in turmoil. And that's what's tough. That's what's unfair. I see what Wilkes and Joseph getting fired is there. They don't. They don't know yet. You know, they're they're still unselling at a quarterback position. Um, I know uh, Wilkes just got his quarterback, and so did Bowles just get his quarterback at the time. But Vance Joseph hasn't had a chance. And I'm sure you, you look in the division. Every other team in that division has their quarterback. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I think that's what's going to be terrifying if you're a Broncos fan right now, or if you're John Elway sitting up there, you know, in the in the suite during all, you know these Broncos games. You're looking at Patrick Mahomes, and. You know, a year after you missed on Paxton Lynch, the Chiefs landed a guy who very much looks like a young John Elway. And he looks like he's going to be a guy who's going to be leading your division rival for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. And that's got to be frustrating. And, you know, look, Philip Rivers' window, how many more years does he have left? I think he just turned 37. So he's got a couple years probably left. Um, but, yeah, right now you're looking up at all the rest of the teams in the division where – you know, even the Raiders, where you know Broncos fans don't want to hear that they're in the same anywhere in the same realm as the Raiders, they consider themselves to be right. so much more functional. But look, you lost the Raiders last week. You lost badly to the Raiders. Really last bad, week. yeah. So, on silly plays least, too. Yeah, and like at least you can kind of see what the Raiders' plan is. I think you could look at the Broncos and say, okay, their their best players are better than the Raiders' best players currently, but the Raiders might be set up better for the future just in terms of draft capital they have and 
potentially the plan they have in place. You know, I think right now you don't really know what the Broncos' identity is and what their long-term plan is. Lindsey Jones with us here on Fox Sports Radio covering the NFL for The Athletic. I do want to ask what's ahead for the Broncos, but I, I do want to ask with this conversation that we're having about John Elway because we've brought up Paxton Lynch, we've brought up draft moves. We had looked at John Elway as the guy who can go out and sell a veteran free agent and say, come to Denver and I'll make you a winner. DeMarcus Ware, Peyton Manning, that sort of thing. Does he get any credit for Philip Lindsay, or is that canceled out by this team maybe aging and the gaps now that you have on defense and the issues on the, the offensive line? Does, does it switch at all with John Elway? Is, is, has he gotten any relief, or is there more heat on him in Denver? Yeah, and honestly, it's a, it's a little bit of both. I think he's getting more pressure on him, you know, especially locally than he, than he's ever had. I think nationally, it's been started, you know, it's been building for a little while. Uh-huh. But, uh, locally, he's definitely starting to get pushback. I mean, there have been some like really, really like re- strong columns in the Denver Post in the recent weeks or in recent days, especially. Um, you know, but the 2018 draft class was good, and they they desperately needed it to be good. They needed a hit on almost every single one of those picks. They couldn't afford, you know, a second, third, or fourth round miss like they had over and over again because the 2017 draft and the 2016 draft were almost throwaways. There's very few guys left remaining from those classes that are going to be long-term contributors. Uh, You know, there's a couple of, you know, the safeties that they drafted, Will Parks and Justin Simmons. I think they'll be around a while. Garrett Bowles, I think he's started every game for the last two years at left tackle, but I don't think anybody's, you know, looking at him as a franchise type player. So yeah, I mean, he had a couple of lost draft classes, so he kind of turned it around in 2018, had a really good class. that's going to give them kind of a nice core to build towards. And you mentioned Philip Lindsay. I don't think we should give him too much credit because they actually drafted a, a running back in the seventh round. A kid named David Williams. I believe he's out of uh, Utah. No, actually, no, I'm getting that wrong, but um, they passed on Philip Lindsay just as many times as everybody sure. else in the NFL yeah. did, including taking a guy in the seventh round. And they should have known. I mean, this kid played in the Denver Broncos Futures Program, played at Denver South High School, played at CU. Vance Joseph he was right CU there. Guy. <laughs> Matt Russell, Elway's right-hand man, is a CU guy. So they, you know, they're, they're kind of just lucky that this, that they were able to get this kid on a, you know, a undrafted contract. So, um, you know, so that has helped. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting situation that the Broncos are in um, with Elway because he probably has, as much power as any general manager in the league and the least amount of checks on him because the Broncos ownership ownership situation right now, it's in a trust. It's run by a three person trust. Joe Ellis is the CEO who has, you know, he has a veto power of some of the things that John does. Although Joe Ellis came out today and he said, John Elway is going to be making the hire. I will approve it, but it will be John Elway's hire. So, you know, outside of really like the Joneses in Dallas, I mean, there's, there's nobody else in the league that has the type of power and job security that John Elway does. And so there really isn't like this great check on his power. And, you know, he talked today about how he's going to look in the mirror and he's going to give himself a really hard evaluation and look at all the, the decisions he's made over the last couple of years. It was the most humble I think we've ever seen him. But at the same time, you know, it's not like he was going to come out there and say like, okay, you know, you guys are right. I did a bad job. I'm just going to step away. But, you know, that wasn't sure. happening, but he doesn't really have somebody who's, kind of holding him accountable outside of, I guess, himself and, you know, the the well, the, pu- the public and the, the media, I guess. You mentioned the, at, right off the top about the rumors last year on the Mike Shanahan. It wasn't Joe Ellis the one to step in and say, hold on a sec, we're not going to do that? Yeah, I mean, Joe, yeah, that was kind of a veto power, and that was kind of a nice little reminder of, you know, that there is there are some other power structures going on there. But, I mean, part of that was, you know, Joe Ellis, who's, 
been very steeped in league processes and he's got a good relationship with Roger Goodell, kind of putting a reminder of you can't just make this switch. Like there are processes that have to go through, you mm-hmm. know, if you're going to move on from Vance Joseph last year, you can't just slide Mike Shanahan in. You've got, we've got to make this an actual search. We need to open this thing wide up. And, um, and John Elway didn't want to do that. So that's ultimately why that, you know, sure. that search shut down. And, and Mike Shanahan at this point is not a candidate. Like that kind of ship has sailed and they're looking at other coach, coaches at this point. Well, then let's wrap up with this. Lindsey Jones with us here on Fox Sports Radio. I've known not to combine Jones and Join, so I'm saying with. <laughs> where does Denver go next? Who do you think are going to be the top candidates? And if there's any of those that stand out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty telling that they've reached out to, you know, some veteran coaches. You know, they've reached out, they've requested to talk to Vic Fangio. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. They've also reached out to Brian Flores, um, the, the defensive coordinator from the Patriots. I have a hard time seeing them go that route because that's kind of in the Vance Joseph mold, you know, a one-year coordinator. Mm-hmm. And they've also had a bad experience by hiring a uh, Patriots assistant in the past when Josh McDaniels was the coach here. But, you know, I, I certainly expect that they are going to go the veteran head coach route. Um, you know, part of it is an overcorrection of doing the opposite from what they did last time. Um, so, yeah, I'll be very interested to see, you know, they, they can't talk to Vic Pangio this week because the Bears are playing. Um, but I think that is the mold of the type of coach that Elway is looking for right now. Find her on Twitter at by Lindsay H. Jones, and that's Lindsay with an A, Lindsay Jones of The Athletic, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Happy New Year, Lindsay. We appreciate it, and yeah, best wishes in 2019. Thank you. Talk to you guys again later. Thank you so much. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Bayer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio as we are sitting in for Doug. Tomorrow's the granddaddy of them all, but what are some of the best bowl games to go to, or maybe better yet, the worst. We'll find out after Kevin Figures gives us an update of what's happening, not only in the bowl games, but everywhere across the NFL. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Dan. We'll start with the bowl game. Stanford just picked up a first down, and Pittsburgh cannot stop the clock, so they're going to take knees, and it is over. By the way, the Pac-12, two bowl wins this year, doubling up their their futility they had last season where they won only one. Washington State picked up a victory over the weekend, and Stanford is now going to beat Pitt. In the Hyundai Sun Bowl, 14-13 to 13 is going to be the final score. The other Pac-12 team in action right now trailing in a uh, low-scoring game, that is. Michigan State with a 6-0 lead over Oregon late in the third quarter. Missouri and Oklahoma State headed to the halftime, headed to halftime in the Liberty, Liberty Bowl. Missouri with a 16-14 lead earlier. Cincinnati notched a 35-31 victory over Virginia Tech. News out of the NFL, according to multiple reports, Steelers receiver Antonio Brown missed the team's finale against the Bengals, not because of an ankle injury, but as fallout from a confrontation he had with quarterback Ben Roethlisberger during practice last Wednesday. Brown missed practice for the remainder of the week, also did not attend the team meetings or workouts on Saturday nights. Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn says tight end Hunter Henry will take first team reps in practice this week. If all goes well, the expectation is that Henry will play for the first time this season. Henry missed the entire regular season after suffering a torn ACL in May. In coaching news, the Bengals have sought permission to speak with Rams quarterback coach Zach Taylor, Rams passing game coordinator Sean Waldron, and Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. One NBA game in the books, Indiana beat the Atlanta Hawks 116-108. Pacers have won five in a row, just two games back in the loss column behind top-seeded Milwaukee in the East. Guys? That's right, Milwaukee atop the East. You got that (laughs) right. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Go to rock bottom and have one. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Look out for those bucks. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Will. 
So you're kind of a Celtics guy? That's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer in for Doug Gottlieb today. Yeah, by association. I'm from Rhode Island, a New England area, so I like the C's. Now, now, Will played collegiately at Boston College, and we were talking earlier, and I said, I said, Will, what bowl games did you play? Like, where were the bowl games? Because we have, we have the bowl game in El Paso, the Sun Bowl, which I said was always one of my favorites because while CBS has the SEC contract, the only bowl game that they air on, on CBS is the Sun Bowl, but they've done it for years. It's been in El Paso, and the, the, the stadium isn't – we don't get to see the Sun Bowl on a regular basis because UTEP isn't on TV or on a national <laughs> channel on a regular basis. So it's just different. It's a different feel. You had some interesting stops in your years with BC for bowl games. Terrible. Right? What was? Wait till you check out this roadmap. Now, <laughs> now, John, Gavin, you guys, you're thinking bowl games, what, maybe South Florida? You think Florida, California, yeah. right? Yeah, why not? San Diego, not not a bad spot to go. This is where Will got this to spend his and holidays. It was always, yeah, holidays, right? So, I mean, my, my rookie year, it was amazing. We, you know, Got a bowl berth, and hey, you know what? Let's go in cold Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's play in the Motor City Bowl. Yeah, there it Very is. Nice. All right. Freeze out and play against Toledo. What do you do for fun? Like, what were the what were the festivities? What did I, they have? I watched 8 Mile, I think, four times. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I did. What was the gift bag like? Don't they give a swag tires. bag? I don't even I don't, I, I don't remember. Yeah. I do not remember. <laughs> this gave you a, I do not, vehicle I parts. think I bought a Barry Sanders jersey. He's my favorite player. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and Little Caesars Pizza. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's and what they gave So me. our next one actually wasn't too shabby. We went to San Francisco to the uh, Emerald yes, Diamond is, Walnut Bowl. Yeah, now it's just now the, uh, the Red Box Bowl where they don't score any points, but – so that's not bad. Yeah, we so played go- against Colorado State and and slapped them around too. All right, you know. And then uh, my junior year, we went to Charlotte. Not bad, Charlotte, North Carolina. It gets cold in Charlotte. Yeah, it was about like forty degrees. It was off. whatever. Yeah, and but then this is the greatest to cap off my senior year. John's gonna want to. John, John's gonna be interested in this one. We go to Boise, Idaho. Oh, there Woo! you go. Why you not? Go. Why not? You know what I did? I just. I just rode the mechanical bull. <laughs> That's all I did. That's all I did. His uh, his gift was a ten pound sack of potatoes. No, so here's <laughs> what's funny. So every every year, um, you know they had the, the uh, conference meeting. So I went to the ACC meeting. I was one of the uh, veterans that the coach wanted to go, and we got little gift bags. And inside that gift bag was this little, it's like a almost like a red light, but it was a blue light that you can flash around, and it was a keychain. And it's an NPC computers on there, and I was I put it on my keychain, and our All American DN Matthias Kiwanuka, he was like, "Do not put that damn thing on your keychain." I was like, "Why not? It's a cool light laser." He goes, "I swear, if we go to this bowl game, I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> <laughs> and then you we go. and then we got the we got the bowl bid, and he looked at me. He was just like, "You gotta be kidding me!" What? So are you? I guys, went off that game you, too you, as a receiver. Really? As a receiver? Oh, really? Yeah, one I had uh, 144 yards. That that's bowl packages spe- specific set up for you. Is that what they did in the week prep in the week leading up? They're like, we got we we got some packages. For no, you. I actually special- no. My senior year, I st- I started at receiver. I was all ACC receiver. My senior. Oh, year. all right. That's oh, a lot of CCCs. There, <laughs> there it is. And then transitioning into the National Football League. By the way, you did recently spend some time in the CFL. I right? did uh, the, for for just had, a little bit. Right, I had a. 
a cup of coffee, ginger ale, and Canadian bacon. And okay, then came back, and that was that was about it. Now, <laughs> that, was that, was, that was that was in Saskatchewan. By the way, by the way, Canadians they were hands down the nicest people I ever met in my entire life. Really? Yes. There, that's that's like a Robin Regina. World. It's called a Regina too. Not yeah, I know. It's I, identical to Green Bay. Really? Identical. Everything. Saskatchewan, the Rough Riders. Everything's identical to Green Bay because it's it's green and they love their team. It's the Midwest and, and it's, it's and it's city owned. Interesting. How about that? I, I didn't realize that. And their coach or was it Chris Jones? Yeah, Chris Jones could be a possibility for an NFL job. Yeah. You think that transition works in the Canadian Football League? I uh, plead the fifth. He pleads the fifth. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer. Today's show is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. It is New Year's Eve. It's also Black Monday with tons of college football news to get to as well. And how bad were things in Pittsburgh between Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger? We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer. Today's show is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything. When it's game time, have an experienced player to help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. There has been a change in the lead at the Red Box Bowl. Uh, Oregon is up on Michigan State now. And I want to ask Will this because we were asking about defensive back celebrations that are uncalled for. If you scored your first points of the game in the fourth quarter as a team, are you still allowed to celebrate that touchdown? Because we had uh, we we had the Oregon wide receiver. Uh, what would you say with the dollar bills? How would you do this? What, what, making what, it rain. Yeah, making, making it rain, it rain with his, with the dollar bills. Are you allowed to do that when you haven't scored for the first fifty minutes of the game? Is it still allowed to make it rain? Pretend did, did on the this, Did the score give you the lead? It well, it tied it because then the extra point was made to give you the lead. So yeah, it put his team in position. Yeah, that's that's totally valid. Okay, all right. I just wanted to make sure that that's it worked valid. out. No, now if you're getting thrashed by thirty and you're in the fourth quarter and you finally score, no, <laughs> that doesn't work. Unnecessary. That doesn't work. Eleven nineteen to go in the Red Box Bowl. You'll see it right now on Fox. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Byer in for Doug today for all the big news on what's been happening in the National Football League and college football. Let's check in with our good friend Kevin Figures. The press. Yeah, who's got the press for us with all the the highlights of what is happening. By the way, Kevin, I don't know if you know this or not, but John Ramos, our executive producer, loves it when things on Twitter just go one way and back the other. Like one week it's this team. One week, it's the next team. Okay. John on Twitter will give you the 12 teams to watch out for in the NFL playoffs really? later on today. Yes. Ramos, the 12 <laughs> teams that you got to keep your eye on in the NFL playoffs. All right. Well, Just, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm yeah. Johnny Ramos doing his thing. All right, John. Hey, uh, and, and, and guys, here's a hint. Who that? Okay. So <laughs> just, just look out the 12 teams. That you're going to want to look out for in the NFL playoffs. Look for that, Will, on John's Twitter handle. I'm freezing, by the way. J.S. Ramos. Yeah, it is like 54 <laughs> degrees. My now, goodness. This is what you get, by the way, when you fill in on a holiday at Fox Sports Radio. I don't mind it. 
You get a 54-degree studio, and you get a cup of coffee full of coffee in the garbage can resting at a 45-degree angle (laughs) gently over the edge. So even if there was a gust of air conditioning, it could have blown over. Maybe he was cooling off his coffee and forgot it. (laughs) That could have been. It shouldn't have taken so long. All right, Kevin, what's going on in the world of sports today? Yes, Dan and John, you'll know that the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Will. Will's here as well. Sorry about that, Will. Goodness gracious. (laughs) I've been here for almost three hours. Okay. I'm so sorry about that, Will. So addressing John and his 12 playoff teams, one of them is not the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is uh, correct. They're going through a lot of drama right now. So there are multiple reports coming out that wide receiver Antonio Brown did not miss their game yesterday because he had an ankle injury. He actually got into a confrontation with quarterback Ben Roethlisberger earlier in the week. He actually chucked a ball at Big Ben, left practice, didn't report to practice the remainder of the week. Also did not attend meetings on Saturday, didn't attend the walkthrough, was at the stadium on Sunday, but did not participate in the game and left at halftime. Other than that, everything's great. Yeah, everything's great. This is unconfirmed, and I don't know if you, you guys know this. They were fighting over who the teammates hate the most. Like Antonio Brown thought it was him. Ben mm. Roethlisberger thought it was him. Mm. That's why they were actually fighting on who the other teammates actually hate the most. Yep. That was a joke, Will. You were supposed to laugh, but that's okay. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I don't know what they were fighting about, but Antonio Brown was not happy. Yeah. What is going on right now? <laughs> it's, pure, it's pure chaos here it on the Zuckerberg show. Yeah. This is what happens you when got you got the rap- heavy metal in the background and the old coyote. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> It's John's drops. It's pure yeah. chaos in the press. Yeah. Uh, by the way, ProFootballTalk.com said that the Steelers would be on the hook if they ended up releasing Antonio Brown $21 million, $7 million in 2019, $14 million in 2020 in dead money if they wanted to move on from Antonio Brown. Yeah, speaking of what the hell is going on, Bruce Arians, one of the great offensive minds in the NFL over the last 15, 20 years, Previously said the only job he was interested in was the Cleveland Browns, and he did say that with a straight face. He's now saying, according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, that because he has a previous relationship with uh, Buccaneers general manager Jason Light, he would also listen and maybe take the job with Tampa Bay. Oh, that's pretty cool. That would be interesting. Bruce Arians, you think he could fit in Tampa and do wonders with Jameis Winston? It's a great place to go retire. Tampa (laughs) Bay. That's That's what I heard. Just not to coach or play baseball, right? Yes. Yeah. The uh, Cleveland Browns have requested to interview Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. He turned down the Indianapolis Colts last season. Will he do the same to the Browns this year, gentlemen? I have got. He's going to have like seven interviews. Yes. Like I've had alerts on my phone, and I think every single one has said so and so has requested to meet with Brian Flores or Josh McDaniels as a, a head coach or for their vacancy. I'll say this. If you didn't want the Colts job, I'm not sure any of these are are better except Green Bay. No, here, here's here's what happened is that the Patriots, they were gonna the plan was to go win the Super Bowl, then everybody was gonna ride into the sunset. That's what was Last gonna happen. Year? Yes, and then they lost. And Bill and Tom said, Hold on, we're gonna do this again. Really? That's what was that was the plan. That's my theory. Oh, that's your theory. <laughs> I thought you maybe had some inside information because that would have been pretty good. That would have been really good. McDaniel's previous four-way as a head coach in the NFL was with the Denver Broncos. That job is now open once again, and reports are that John Elway could be eyeing John Harbaugh from the Baltimore Ravens in a possible trade or his former head coach, Mike Shanahan. Right. Ah, you know, we had Lindsey Jones on. She said that the Shanahan, probably not a realistic, you know, 
situation for for him to come back. But the John Harbaugh one was brought up yesterday, as Kevin said, with a possible trade. Question is, is if you trade so much for a head coach, now you don't have draft picks to draft the players that you actually need. I don't think that would be smart of Denver. Denver's also, by the way, been really quick to act with things. They really acted with Vance Joseph, which I thought at the time was going to be a good move. I thought he was going to be able to continue that defense. But last year, as soon as they found out they were out of Kirk Cousins, the first domino to fall was actually Case Keenum. So maybe John Elway wants to sit back and slow play this because his fast play hasn't worked out. I like Elway. I like the fact that Elway's transparent with with most stuff. Yeah, like he, he actually comes up and I mean, he may not say everything, but he'll speak to the media. I do like that. They have a sign in Denver. It says it's Elway or the Highway. Yes, <laughs> wow. that's what you got to follow. I made that up as well. Will that's a joke? My God, just joking. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I work with Terrell Davis. I'll ask him everything. <laughs> it's the Elway <laughs> or the right. Highway. Okay. Okay. Oh, former Bronco running back Anthony Lynn, now the head coach of the San Diego, excuse me, the Los Angeles oh, Chargers. Oh, wow. That was purpose. Yeah, it was not on purpose that. at all. But said tight end Hunter Henry will take first team reps in practice this week and could play in their playoff game against Baltimore. Oh, Hunter Henry added to that offense. Is that going to help against the Ravens? Um, I don't know because I don't know what I don't know where his knee is at. That's a big deal. Way to take a stand, Will. Come on. Yes, it's going to help. It's going to help him. Of course it is. It's going to help Stephen A's fantasy team. Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> I, I did hear Derrick Johnson was out there practicing, and he looked good running routes against them. So there's, there's uh, that at well, least. Well, yeah. Oh, they could have if they're not on the same team. And don't don't worry, Kevin, on the San Diego thing. John Ramos still calls the Sacramento Kings the Kansas City Kings. Wow. So it's only been 35 yeah. years. I caught the Clippers, the Buffalo Braves. The Minnesota, last Minnesota, oh. the Minnesota <laughs> Lakers? Is yeah. that what he said? <laughs> it happens. Who said All Minnesota right, Lakers? Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, teams eligible for hard knocks this year: Lions, Raiders, 49ers, Giants, and Redskins. Who are we looking at? Who are we, Raiders, who do hands like? down. Oh, Raiders. Oh, in Vegas, let's go. I would. Well, that's it's a Roger that. Do you think they're going to play in Vegas? It doesn't next matter. Year? They're going to practice in Vegas. Uh, well, that would be interesting. I would like to see the Lions because I would like to see them all quit on Matt Patricia after wow. the second week. <laughs> Wait, Everybody walks teams? away, and there's no more show because all the Lions players have quit. That would be great. Four or five they minutes late. That was were the you ever, Were you ever on Hard Knocks in any of never, your stops? Never on uh, Hard Knocks. Nope. Think that would get a little old with having the cameras around? Some players make a name no, for themselves. No, I don't, I don't mind the cameras. I'm secure myself. Yeah. That would be a way to go. Playoffs are set. Eight coaching vacancies now in the National Football League. A host of bowl games still to go in college football. And the College Football National Championship will take place a week from today. You're going to have a New Year's night. You're going to... Low-key, though, right? Low-key, yeah. Martinelli's in the East Coast New Year. All right. 9 o'clock. That's, hey, they air it live out of here on the West and Coast And then when anyway. the kids go to bed, it's going to be uh, whiskey and Netflix. The, the <laughs> <laughs> whiskey and Netflix bringing in 2019. Will, it's been fun. Happy New Year to you and yours. Thanks to Gavin, John, Peaky and blinders. Kevin. He's Will Blackman. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Radio. Happy New Year. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 